Saskatchewan's number one sports talk show is on. And now, starting an hour earlier, welcome inside the Radio Octagon. This is the Sports Cage on 620 CKRM. Here's your host, Michael Ball. Wherever you're listening, however you're listening, thanks for making us part of your day. Now, I'd say hi, Saskatchewan fans, but judging by the reaction on Twitter, we got more than Saskatchewan fans tuning into the show. We'll get to that in a second. Show today is brought to you by Andrew Shared Limited, providing plumbing, HVAC, and irrigation supplies across Western Canada since 1892. Learn more at Shared.com. Our text line powered by Capital Ford Lincoln. Get into it. Let's go. 936-6262 is the number to text. Uh, 1-866-767-0620. That's the out-of-town toll-free line. You can call toll-free at 936-6262 as well. All right. So, uh, lots to get to. The NHL trade deadline is Friday, but teams already making moves. We saw some over the weekend, which we talked about in sports throughout the day. The Leafs, though, have acquired defenseman Jake McCabe. Forward Sam Lafferty and a conditional fifth round pick in 2024 and a conditional fifth rounder in 2025 from the Blackhawks. Leafs are sending Blackhawks a conditional 2025 first rounder, a 2026 second rounder forward Joey Anderson and Pavel Gogolev. So they are going after it, the Toronto Maple Leafs, trying to uh, get that arms race going in the East. Timo Meyer went to the Devils for basically a bunch of players you never heard of, and they got a bunch of players back you never heard of. Um, some people saying that uh, Tampa really overpaid for Tyler Janot out of uh, Nashville. They got a first rounder, a second rounder, and three other draft picks for yeah. Janot. Yeah, so, big old Tanner Janot. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Uh, and. Carson Wentz cut by the Philadelphia or by the uh, Washington Commanders. So he's gone. Man, XFL he's, bound. Man, can you? <laughs> has he ever fallen off the map? Eh, yeah. like from from uh, being an MVP type of player when they won their Super Bowl that year because he got hurt. Remember in that game in L.A., Nick Foles won them the Super Bowl. Could never regain his confidence and poise there in Philly. Goes to Indy. Nope. Even though he had 27 touchdowns, 7 interceptions, not a real locker room guy, and blew some easy winnable games. And the owner, Jim Irsay, blew a gasket. Now he goes to Washington, and he's not Yeah, he had there. one good season, just like a quarterback around here had a few years ago. One good season, mm-hmm. and we thought that was enough. Mm-hmm. It's not we enough. We thought we could crown him. It's not enough. Wasn't it, it enough to it, crown him. It is not enough. So he is uh, gone. All right. And I want to address this before we go to break. So we talked about a couple of things last week on the show, and people, there's a there's a Twitter feed called CFL News. They do good work, and they had um, they always tweet our show, right? Like they mm-hmm. take quotes from our show. And there's two things I said last week. Nathan Rourke is going to get screwed by the NFL. It's what I feel. I feel he's going to get screwed. C.J. Beathard. Their backup quarterback from last year signed a two-year deal, base salary of 4.5, with incentives well over $6 million. That would tell you right there that he is probably locked in as their backup quarterback, okay? They've got Trevor Lawrence. So I think Nathan Rourke said he didn't want to go down there for a a T-shirt, training camp T-shirt. He wanted to have a chance to compete, okay? I... I have heard that he only got one offer. Because I was like, why did he go to Jacksonville? I heard he only got one offer, and that was from Jacksonville. 
And people were like, oh, look at you, Ballsy. You don't want the... You, you're so negative. You're so pro-CFL. From It's funny. I, I don't like to argue with people on Twitter that don't use their real names. A fake photo and a fake name. I won't name the guy's handle, but give me a break. Oh, Ballsy, you're so negative about the XFL and the USFL, and you're so pro-CFL. You're just rooting against Nathan Rourke. No, I'm not. Zinger. Complete off. Zinger. Zinger, who's been the biggest advocate for Nathan Rourke? Uh, I'm not going to lie, man. Michael Ball yeah, has and, had him on the cage well before he was even in the Canadian Football yeah, League. Ma- many times. When he was a quarterback at Ohio. Right? I want him to succeed, and I hope he succeeds, and he's better than a third of the junk that quarterbacks in the NFL. But you could see right there. I read an article from Sports Illustrated on the weekend where they break down each team's free agency. They mentioned the backup quarterback spot. Never mention Nathan Rourke. Well, that doesn't tell you everything, but it kind of if you if you tie what happened with Bethard in with that, he's already against the eight ball. I think the best for Nathan Rourke: get on the field in the preseason, show other teams you got it. Maybe somebody else yep. grabs a hold of you. I I really believe maybe he will stay. Maybe he'll decide to stick around the whole year just to prove it to himself. Get some different experiences, maybe make the practice roster, make a couple hundred thousand. But he wants to play. I really believe he'll be back here by September. The bottom line is he's not going to be at the backup in Jacksonville because they're guaranteeing what four million dollars yeah. to this to this bum they signed. So, so 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 that's what I'm saying. It's not that I don't want him to succeed. I'm telling you what's going to happen. Same thing with the XFL and the USFL. People were all over me. You're going to make a judgment five minutes in. So Zenger, I sat down and I thought I'm going to subject myself. Which game? The Brahmas? What game? No, did... I watched Sankey's game. Oh yeah, right. The Renegades. Against, Renegades. It was against Houston. Yeah. Awful. Absolutely awful. It made it made the Argos game look like a sellout. There was like nine thousand, okay. That wasn't even the worst one of the weekend. I know. Man. And, and 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 it was terrible. I'm looking at this going, Sankey, what are you doing? I love Darnell Sankey. I think he's a great football player. He did a lot of great things in this community. I still can't wrap my head around the fact that this guy is in the XFL because he wants to keep his NFL dream alive. Are you nuts? You're nuts. You have a better chance to go to the NFL from the CFL. And also, I got news for you. They're not looking for 28-year-old linebackers in the XFL for the NFL. I'm sorry. It's true. Mm. They're not. You know, that's the other thing. I say things other people think but don't have the balls to say it. Which brings me to my next point. Yeah, yeah. Okay? Last week on the show, I had said this. My sources tell me that Rashid Bailey was offered about $160,000 to come to the Riders, okay? Did some digging. I also heard word on the street from my sources, because apparently other people are allowed to have sources, but I'm not, because I'm a jerk that spreads you-know-what across the internet, and I better prove it, or I can't have... Apparently, I'm not allowed to have sources, so... He went back to Winnipeg for under a hundred grand, I'm told. Who in their right mind leaves sixty-five thousand on the table? People are like, You're accusing the bombers of cheating. I never I said I'm wondering aloud. How can the bombers sign everybody except for Michael Couture, who went to BC because he's from there, and they didn't re-sign Ellingson, right? But they replaced Ellingson with a more expensive replacement in Lawler. So how do you do all of that and stay 
within the cap. I'm not a capologist. Maybe they can. Somebody show me how you can. I will tell you this. This is all I'm saying. This is what I'm saying. And good on the bombers. However they're making it work, good for them. But I'm not buying the narrative that everybody's staying there because they're taking a pay cut because they like Mike O'Shea and they like winning there. Well, they have a better chance of playoff bonuses and great cups. Sure, the last couple of years they have. But it, as we saw last year, are the playoffs... Playoffs. Are the playoffs a given, Zinger? No, man. If you are negotiating, hey, come back here for 95, but hey, we're going to give you that playoff money. Well, that's not that's stupid negotiating, if you ask me. If you put it into perspective, mm-hmm. Rasheed Bailey turned down basically almost an entry-level contract. He turned down... What, because what, $65,000 he turned down roughly? Roughly, that's what my sources something tell me, like reliable. Yeah, well, let's something just like say that. ballpark something, yeah, like whatever. Yeah, yeah. Entry-level that's pretty much an entry yeah, level yeah, contract yeah. in the Canadian Football that's, League. That's that what he my sources down. tell me. And so here's this. Here's something for you. Here's something for you. He basically turned down what Darnell Sankey decided to take in the XFL because he didn't like the Riders' offer. <laughs> yeah, like, one, like one sixty, one sixty, and he's going to be making uh, I think fifty nine k American down so, there. So what's that? About seventy five, seventy five, eighty. Yeah. Canadian? So he left eight. So he left. He left about fifty or sixty on the table. Because he has a better shot at the NFL from the XFL. Does he now, really, though? Now, I, I will know. tell you this. The XFL does have a partnership with the NFLs a little bit, so they may be able to hang around for a while, but come on. And that's the thing I, about Sankey, I wonder. Like, what happened there? Did he, he, did he overvalue himself in the market? I think he did. He, he went around and realized, I can get more than the riders are offering me. Then he's like, oop, I can't. So either he it went back. It was too late. It now, was I'm, too spe- late. I'm purely speculating here. But either he went back to the riders and their money was already spent somewhere mm. else. Or he didn't want to go back to the riders because he has to save face. And he thought he'll go to the XFL. It makes no sense. I believe that's what J.C. Abbott said on the cage uh, when, oh, did you were, he? when you were gone. Okay. He basically, he overvalued himself, and then when it was time to come back to the Riders, the Riders already spent their money elsewhere, so then he was on the outside looking in, and, and then bye-bye XFL. Anyway, anyway, I'm just with the Winnipeg, and the Winnipeg fans are mad. They're going to the league office. Cause, oh, yeah, they're going to get after you. Because I, I am accusing them and, 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 and all this stuff, but I, I appreciate them for listening and following me on Twitter, at the Real Ballsy. If you don't want to follow me, uh, follow me there. You can do it at Sports Cage. Uh, my buddy Sean Kleisinger. Yeah, there follow me at Zinger News. There, you there can you see a nice argument with myself and Derek Dennis. Yeah, we on had Twitter. people. We, everybody was on us. <laughs> everybody was on us. But anyway, uh, I digress. We're going to take a break. And speaking of money, Manny Machado signed 11-year, $350 million extension with the Padres. They are spending money like drunk sailors. And as a Padres fan, I'm wearing their shirt today. I love it. We're going to talk to Adam Burke, who's with Vissen, about some early betting odds for Major League Baseball. Get his thoughts. This is the Sports Cage. For our friends at Andrews Shared Limited on 620 CKRM. Follow us on Twitter and Facebook at Sports Cage. Now back to the action on Sports Radio 620 CKRM. Welcome back to the Sports Cage. I'm Michael Ball along with Sean Kleisinger. Wherever you're listening, thanks for making us part of your day. We welcome your phone calls, 936-6262 locally, 1-866-767-0620. Our text line's powered by Capital Ford Lincoln. Corner of Rochdale and Pasqua, 936-6262 is the text line. Now, uh, VEASAN is the sports betting network, the first 24-7 broadcast network dedicated exclusively to sports betting. And Adam Burke is a popular 
daily columnist there uh, highlighting the most meaningful markets to watch the day's MLB slate. And uh, he's going to launch a new daily MLB podcast in the next couple of weeks to share the same advice and analysis. And he's uh, taking time out of his schedule to join us now on the Western Pizza Hotline. Hi, Adam. How are you? I'm good. How are you guys doing today? Good, good, man. Thanks for joining us. Well, I'll tell you what, as a Padres fan, and I'm wearing my brown and yellow and orange shirt proudly here, uh, man, they are spending like a bunch of drunk sailors, and I can't lie. I love it, man. How about Machado? 11 years, $350 buck extension. What are you making of what the Padres are doing? Yeah, I mean, obviously you got to love it. You know, I mean, teams that are willing to spend should be able to get a lot of good talent, and that's what they've done here, along with, of course, you know, the Juan Soto trades they completed last year. This team is stacked. This lineup is stacked. And even down to the DH, where, you know, you pick up Nelson Cruz, a professional hitter, a guy that, you know, probably going to hit you 20 to 25 home runs on the low end, a guy that will help out some of the younger players here in spring training as well. You know, that's something they couldn't have done a few years ago with the universal DH. It just lengthens the lineup even more for them. Quality rotation, excellent bullpen. The only concern I have is maybe their bench is a little bit weak. So if they do end up with cluster injuries in the lineup, that might be an issue. But they should be just fine and give the Dodgers a really strong run for their money in the NL West. It, they're the favorites, though, right? In the NL West, they have to be. Well, look, I mean, I think it's one of those things where uh, until you unseat the Dodgers, mm-hmm. you know, until you actually be the team to do that, I think it's hard to make them the favorite. And right now, you look out there in a lot of places, the Dodgers are a minus-120 favorite. Padres generally in the plus-125 range, so not that far off the pace. And obviously, that will change very quickly. And something else that's kind of beneficial for the Padres and really the Dodgers, too, the schedule changes this year. You know, yeah. you don't have to play 19 games within the division anymore. You only play 13 against each team. So the Padres and Dodgers won't be beating each other up. You know, they won't have to worry about a Giants team that I still think is, you know, capable of being 500 or a little bit better. They can go and just maul the rest of the league, which is definitely something I think benefits both the Dodgers and the Padres. Early on here, as we're nicely into it, uh, as far as the Grapefruit League and Cactus League, um, and looking at the betting angles, Adam, uh, what's the toughest division in baseball right now? Well, I, I look, I'll say, honestly, I think the strongest division, top to bottom, would still be the American League East. Mm. Uh, you know, Baltimore is a team that greatly improved last year. I know some people are kind of skeptical of the Orioles and and what they did last season. I kind of like the direction that they're going in. I think there's maybe a little bit more sustainability to that than people realize. Boston might be better. They could also kind of bottom out. But, I mean, you've got the Yankees, the Blue Jays, who are two top-tier teams in the American League. I do think maybe this is the year that the Rays take a little bit of a step back, but there are no gimme games in that AL East anymore. I think that's definitely the strongest division top to bottom. I think the hardest one to peg, though, is probably the AL Central because the more I dug into the Twins and the White Sox, the more I kind of like what they have going on. And the Guardians, obviously, one of the biggest surprises in baseball last year. Yeah. Adam uh, Burke joining us here from VEASAN. So if I'm to uh, uh, a preseason World Series betting favorite, can you give me a, a couple of top ones here? Who would you put your money on or who are people looking to put their money on in terms of the favorites to win the World Series? Yeah, when you look at the favorites, I mean, Houston, you know, the, yeah. the current reigning champs, they're about 6-1 to one out there in the market. You can find a little bit better than that at some places. The Mets and Yankees are both up there as kind of co-second favorites, followed by the Dodgers, the Braves, the Padres. You know, obviously, again, you have plenty of reasons to be high on San Diego. The Blue Jays are you know, about the third choice coming out of the American League. 
Um, you know, the difficult thing, of course, is that only one team can win the division. And, you know, with the new playoff format, you're trying to get the bye and all that kind of thing. That can be a little bit challenging. If you don't win your division, you have to go to the wild card round. Then all of a sudden, you know, you have to burn pitchers and stuff like that. So that's why the Blue Jays are out there at 13-1, to 1, kind of so far behind the Yankees, because there's great incentive to winning your division in this current format. But, look, I think this year there's a lot of parity. I mean, you know, we saw the Phillies make a run to the World Series mm-hmm. last year. They're in a very strong NL East division. Um, the Mariners look significantly improved as well. So a lot of directions I think you can go in with the World Series. It may ultimately just be which team stays the healthiest. Yeah, so that's good. I always like to pick kind of like an under the radar team or one that's uh, that could get you a nice return betting. Do you have a? You mentioned some teams. There's there a couple under the radar, or not the sexy pick that would be kind of a you know throw it twenty fifty spot on. Yeah, I mean, look, I think the St. Louis Cardinals are really interesting. Their rotation is not outstanding. I think it's good enough. Position player-wise, they're very, very good. But they should win that central division, which means you should get a team into the playoffs with home field that you can find at 20 or 25-1 to out there. Do I think they win it all? Probably not. But if you get a 25-1 to into the playoffs, then you can start doing some things creatively to kind of hedge, guarantee some profit, something like that. So the Cardinals are a really interesting team to me uh, as we kind of look at things right now as a team that's sort of off the path a little bit. Uh, and I think the Mariners are really good. I think the Mariners have a chance to actually run Houston down in the West. So they're priced in that same 20 to one range. And I think they're very intriguing as well. Nice. Okay. Adam last year, I was, Oh, I was so close. I think I picked Manny Machado as my MVP uh, in the NL and he came up just short. What a one, I think 1500 bucks. Uh, who are your favorites to win the MVP in both leagues right now? The betting favorites, I guess. Oh, whew, that's a it's definitely a loaded question there to be sure. Uh, you know, obviously, I mean, look, to me, I think in the American League, Shohei Otani should win it every single year yeah, because yeah. he's doing something that we have never seen and may never see again. Uh, so it makes sense that he's the clear favorite. Trout and Judge, of course, right there as well. Um, you know, I don't really think that it's worth taking a long shot in the American League, but I think in the National League, you can get creative a little bit. You know, Nolan Arenado is a guy that was right there, and if the Cardinals are as good as I think they can be, He's 18-1. to Austin Riley for the Braves hits a lot of home runs, hits for a ton of power. He's kind of at the forefront of that lineup now to where he's got some help with Acuna Jr. back for the full season. Matt Olson, Sean Murphy is a guy that's going to drive him in. I think Austin Riley at 15-1 to or Nolan Arenado in the 18-20-1 to range are some interesting guys in the NL that are not the favorites, but guys I think could have big years. Excellent, excellent work, Adam. Where can they find your work, if you can let my listeners know? Yeah, head over to vsin.com, V-S-I-N.com. Right now I'm doing a lot of college basketball stuff along with prepping for the MLB season. And as you said in the open there, I'll have an MLB podcast coming out uh, pretty much a Monday through Saturday thing coming out here next month. So really looking forward to that. You know, uh, lastly, just to circle back to baseball for a second, Adam Burke, you know, you got uh, you got this pitch clock. And it, I watched the uh, Grapefruit League. It was rather enjoyable because it went pretty fast. And uh, I just look at a Padres lineup since we started talking about them. Soto, Tatis, Machado, Bogarts. And with the, the pitchers having to speed things up, that's going to be an, that could be a damaging lineup. I'm interested to see how pitchers navigate this pitch clock. Yeah, there are a lot of layers to the pitch clock, to say the least. I think we could see velocity down league-wide because guys won't be throwing max effort because they'll have less time to recover between pitches. 
a lot more running, now, a lot more stolen base attempts in the minor leagues last year. So we should see more of that. And then, of course, the pitch clock. I mean, you know, if you've got traffic on the bases with lineups that draw walks, guys that get hits, stuff like that, you're pitching with traffic all the time. That's a high-stress environment, and you can't really catch your breath anymore. So I think that could have some wide-ranging impacts for this season, specifically when it comes to betting on totals. Adam Burke from Visa, thanks for your time. Uh, we'll call in you again in the future. This has been fun. Absolutely. Sounds good, guys. Have a good one. All right. So we'll come back with more of the sports cage in a moment on your Voice of Saskatchewan, 620 CKRM. All right. It's 3.30 with your sports ticker for Bronco Plumbing and Heating, where professional service is guaranteed. They'll treat you right. Just give them a call at 781-2090. So the Washington Commanders have released quarterback Carson Wentz, and the release of Wentz saves the Commanders 26 Point one seven million dollars against their salary cap. So a big move there in Washington. Canada Soccer President Nick Bontis has announced that he is resigning effective immediately. Time now for our Coach of the Week here in the Sports Cage. And we go to Hansport, Nova Scotia for this story. And it is embarrassing and enlightening all at the same time. Now, the Hansport School Junior High School basketball team was about to play their first playoff game of the season earlier this month. But two hours before the game, the school administration dismissed Brandon McManus, the team's volunteer head coach. Quote, they told me that it was in the best interest of the kids that I was no longer going to be needed as their head coach and to turn my keys in, McManus said. One of his long-standing coaching philosophies is for his players to be on time for practice. Some of his players were fooling around in the locker room as practice was about to start. Quote, I hold the team accountable for their actions and because... They were a little bit late. We ran some line drills. The drills are common. You see, players line up on the baseline of the gym and run up and down the gym floor. It used to be called run to you puke or gassers. None of the players complained, and the rest of the practice went off without a hitch. Players left the court, pumped for their first playoff game, which was set for the next day. But apparently the school's principal, Jan Rutledge, and the vice principal, Ian Morrison told him, uh, we don't agree with your disciplinary measures. News of the coach's dismissal spread quickly to the community of about 1,500 people. Uh, the players were shocked to learn that their coach would not be on the bench. So they decided not to play the playoff game, resulting in them forfeiting. McManus said, and I quote, I'm very proud of those boys who said that if I wasn't going to be their coach, they would no longer be playing. And the girls team, credit them too, they showed support for Brandon McManus by wearing a B on their jerseys. First of all, kudos to the kids, both the boys team and the girls team, for understanding that there's accountability. What's a shame is the people running the school don't get it. That's what's wrong with our educational institutions, in my opinion. They're run by woke, weak-kneed wimps. They'd rather see everybody in the corner with their thumb in their mouth, wrapped in cellophane, lying in the fetal position, instead of 
raising our future generation to take accountability, both good and bad, for their actions. It's why kids with a 46 average get passed. Ah, it's good enough. Oh, everybody gets a participation medal. What a pathetic, pathetic example by the principal and the vice principal. Kudos to the volunteer coach. Kudos to the players. Brandon McManus, our coach of the week. The kings of Saskatchewan sports talk. This is the Sports Cage on 620 CKRM. Show is brought to you by Andrew Sherrod Limited. All our guests come to you via the Western Pizza Hotline. One of our favorite guests, and I mean it, Julio Caravata, former CFL quarterback, longtime color commentator on the BC Lions Radio Network. Julio, thanks for always taking my call. I appreciate it. The lemonade stand set up in BC for the third time round. The Lemonator comes to the Lions. I think that's a nice pickup. Yeah, you know, I, I I won't lie. Last the last week, I think I've been you know a <laughs> little bit caught off guard by you know what the Lions have done. I kind of caught. Uh, I was a little surprised. One with Dane Evans. I'm sure we'll talk about that. But getting a guy like Sean Lemon, and you know, is is a perfect fit for this team. You know what the, what he's been able to do in Calgary the last couple of years. He's just seems to be defying the odds the way he's able to still get after the quarterback. Real smart player. Um, and, you know, I, I got a chance this past year uh, during Grey Cup um, to talk to him a little bit. And, you know, just a great, great guy, uh, great teammate. Nobody has anything bad to say about him. So um, I think he's going to fit in very nicely with, with the, the group that they have. And uh, I'm sure he's going to provide a lot of uh, leadership. And um, hopefully he can continue the way he's doing uh, with the sacks. As a Canadian in the Canadian Football League, Julio Caravata back in the day, how would you feel if, if an American uh, under the new CBA can replace you for forty nine percent of the snaps? Like I listen, I'm I'm uh, I'm all for Americans in the league. I just don't I don't know, man. We're on a slippery slope there. Well, yeah, I'm I'm, I'm torn a little bit, and I and the reason I'm torn a little bit is this: is that. Uh, you got to remember that some of these guys that have spent so much time here that are committed to communities, committed to teams, mm-hmm. I think that there has to be a bit of a payoff for them, right? Like, um, you know, we're talking about guys that, you know, not only have played in the league, but I'm talking about also living in communities and, and doing the community service in the off seasons and all those kinds of things. And so I know that it's a slippery slope, but I, I do like the idea that, you know, they're rewarding some of these guys that have committed to this league um, for a long time. Mm-hmm. That's a fair point. Uh, Julio, yeah. Dane Evans comes to the team. Bit of yeah. a sh- bit of a shocker. Now, uh, I had Farhan on and asked him this question, so I'll ask you this question. Is that a commentary on Vernon Adams and Dane Evans that BC maybe doesn't think either of them are a, a, a prime starting quarterback? Well, I think, Ballsy, you gotta you got to look at it this way, is that the way that they were able to get him, um, they basically, you know, giving up a fourth round draft pick, being able to restructure his deal is, you know, I think, um, you know, you can't lose, you know, getting a guy like, like Dane, like, and, and don't get me right. You know, Dane has had his ups and downs. There's no question, but I think that, you know, he's a kid that, you know, I think with a guy like Jordan McSimmick can really get the best out of him. And, I appreciate, you know, the fact that he's he said, "Hey, listen, I need I need a fresh start. I need to I need to get myself going again." And he's, you know, he's taking a big pay cut 
um, and coming to a place where, you know, I'm sure there was probably some other spots that he probably could have gone that would have provided maybe a little bit better opportunity for him to play. But he chose BC and, um, you know, and, and I think from the Lions standpoint, they felt they just couldn't lose with this deal and bringing in another guy who's played and started. You can never have enough depth at quarterback. Everyone knows you need two guys at least. And hopefully things don't go off the rails for you in the sense that, you know, you need more than two. And we've seen that happen. So I, I just think that for the Lions, you know, bringing a guy like that in again, a guy whose reputation is he's a great teammate. Um, he's got a working relationship with Vernon. They've worked together before, and I just don't see I don't see any any way you can lose by bringing a guy like that in. Okay, so Julio Caravada, I have been on the Nathan Rourke train for a while, <laughs> just like you. Okay, I I got yes. roasted a bit on Twitter because people are saying, "Oh, you want him to fail." I don't want him to fail. I think he's better than a third of the junk playing quarterback in the NFL. But I think politics uh-huh. is going to rear its ugly head uh, for a couple of reasons. Uh, media, whatever. But I read an article on Sports Illustrated where they reviewed the Jacksonville Jaguars free uh, a free agency and what they could do. And they mentioned the backup quarterback and not one letter about Nathan Rourke, okay, number one. Yeah. Number two, C.J. Beathard, the backup, just signed a two-year deal worth a $4.5 million base, could go to almost $7 million if he gets his incentives. Now, hey, you need to bring in as many quality arms as you can. I get it. I don't know, man. I see Nathan Rourke back in the CFL by September. <laughs> um, well, I, I'll say this. I don't know whether or not he'll be back in September, but I will say that Clearly, um, their room uh, and maybe what they've told him might have changed since he first signed there. Because, you know, one of the things that you realize over the years covering football and is that money really talks, right? The commitment money-wise they've given to C.J. Beathard, is, it, 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 you said it, it in, with incentives and all those things, it's going to be close to $7 million. That guy's not going to be your third quarterback, Right, he's your no, backup. No, maybe that's they. He, that's that's just the way it is. So now Nathan is. I don't know whether. And, and this again, I don't know. This is all just me speculating. But I, I, I would imagine that one of the reasons that he chose to go there was because of the opportunity that he was going to get to play. Right, he wanted a legitimate chance to be the backup. Now. Now, and I will say this because it's, 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 it, does, it has happened before where you're going to get a coach who will say, listen, if Nathan goes in there and, and proves during training camp that he's more than capable and is the better quarterback, then maybe they make the decision to say, hey, we can live with this guy as our backup. And you get rid of that contract of C.J. Beathard and say, hey, you know what? We're, we're confident with this guy. I don't see that happen realistically, but it can happen. And yeah. so things, things, and, and here's the other part. What happens if Jacksonville goes out and drafts another quarterback? Yeah. Right. Like all those things can happen. And so I think you're seeing the business side of, of the NFL really kind of, you know, step up to the forefront. Now I believe that Nathan is going to, he's, if, if, even if he makes the practice roster, that he's going to stick it out all year down there. And if he feels that, Hey, I'm going to get more experience if I can get myself on film. Maybe someone else sees me. Oh, he is going to exhaust 
every opportunity down there that he has because this is his opportunity. This is his chance. He knows that it's what's, what's here. It's always going to be here. So you exhaust what you can down there now, and then when you leave, you leave knowing that you exhausted all those opportunities and not say to yourself, what if? So, 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 so let me bring this, and I, I, I get what you're saying, and I was going to say the best uh, opportunity for him would be to get on a field in the preseason, do some good things, and maybe have another team yeah. look at him, right? Yeah. But, but yeah. the Ricky Rays, the Henry Burrises have gone down there. What, what, what makes him different? Do you think is is there any difference? Because I remember well, one, I remember one time heard Herm, Herm Edwards talking. He had an injury situation in his locker room, and he said, "We're one play away from putting the Canadian kid in," which was Ricky Ray, who isn't Canadian. Yeah. <laughs> well, now you know, now you kind of understand how they play, they view the the CFL. But um, you know, I think that it, it, it you know I mean, and this is again no disrespect to Henry because. I think Henry was a different kind of quarterback. I think Henry had a big arm. And I, I think that you, the game that Nathan plays is more closely related to Ricky Ray's game. Mm-hmm. You know, like he, 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 he gets rid of the ball. He's, uh, he, you know, I mean, he's going to dink and dunk his way. And I think Henry had a big arm and he wanted to strike downfield. And they were different kinds of quarterbacks. But I think, again, it goes to show you. And Ricky Ray, if I'm not mistaken, when he went to New York, they gave him pretty good money. Yes. They gave him a sizable signing bonus. I want to say it was like almost 400 grand. Yeah, it was and big. He didn't, and he, he didn't get anywhere near the field. Ballsy, I hope mm-hmm. that he gets that chance because I really truly believe the kind of player that he is. You know, we haven't seen a guy like that in this league in a long time. And he deserves an opportunity. Whether he gets it, I don't know. Julio, thanks for this as always. I appreciate it, buddy. Thank you. Anytime. Saskatchewan's best coverage of the Saskatchewan Rough Riders is on the sports cage. Right here on the Mighty 620 CKRM. John McIndoe down goes Brown over at the Athletic. How are you? How are you doing today, my friend? I'm doing good. Excited. It's a big week. Yeah, no kidding. You know what? They have these trade deadline shows, and they're almost always done before the deadline. Timo Meyer on the move. What do you make of that trade between the Devils and San Jose? You uh, put it perfectly in your article today, summing up the weekend. A bunch of players we didn't know about till this trade was announced. Yeah, it was a weird one. If, if people uh, were uh, missed this on, on Sunday, I guess, Word trickled out that Timo Meyer had been traded, that he was going to the Devils, uh, and everybody thought, okay, well, you know, we, we thought that was a likely destination. Let's find out what it cost uh, New Jersey. And then we just didn't find out for hours. <laughs> there was no word coming on what the deal was. And then you started to hear, well, maybe there's a problem. Maybe there's somebody's injured or something like that. And a lot of us were sort of sitting there rolling our eyes going, like, come on, NHL. It's, it's a big trade. How complicated can it be? Well, we found out how complicated it could be, and it seems to be, as far as I can tell, the biggest trade in the history of the NHL just in terms of the number of pieces involved. There were 13 players and picks involved in a two-team trade, uh, which, as far as I can tell, and, and I know my history pretty well, has never happened before in the history of the NHL. This is the most complicated two-team trade that we've ever seen. And, uh, yeah, an awful lot of the players are not guys that uh, any of us are all that familiar with. A lot of, uh, you know, pieces that are, I, I don't want to dismiss the guys mm-hmm. that are involved in the trade, but, you know, a lot of guys that aren't necessarily 
uh, certainly big names. At the end of the day, you boil it down. Uh, I know a lot of people are looking at this going, man, San Jose didn't get as much as you would have liked as far as premium assets. They got one first-round pick. They got what potentially could be a second uh, first-round pick, depending on if some conditions are, are met, uh, and and a pretty solid defensive prospect. And then the rest of it is just sort of a, you know kind of a, a handful of spare change that you find in the couch cushions. So a <laughs> uh, great deal for the Devils, given where they are. San Jose, you know, we might have to wait and see what they do with some of those assets, but I, I know it wasn't quite the overwhelming return some of their fans were hoping for. So is is Patrick Kane going to the Rangers? It, it seems like it's the only team he wants to go to, but nothing's done yet. Yeah, exactly, and and this is this one's a, a bit of an odd one, in the sense that the deal isn't done, um, and it can't be done for salary cap reasons. Basically, the Rangers are so tied up against the cap that in order to get Patrick Kane in, even with retained salary, even with a, a third team involved, uh, they basically don't have the cap room and won't have the cap room for a couple of days. And that's fine because they've got until Friday to do this deal. Uh, but depending on who you talk to, it, it may be the sort of thing where they've got the deal in place. Both teams know what the trade's going to be. They know who the pieces are. But they can't make the trade uh, until potentially Wednesday because that'll be the first day that the Rangers have just barely enough cap room to fit Patrick Kane in there. So uh, you're right. It sounds like Patrick Kane has a no-movement clause, had full control over the situation, could have said, I don't want to be traded at all, could have given the Blackhawks a list of teams. It sounds like the only team by the end of it that he was willing to go to was the New York Rangers. Uh, And so we wait and see what the return is going to be. We've spent all season thinking that, boy, if if Patrick Kane gets traded, it's going to be a big package coming back to Chicago. doesn't sound that way now, especially if it's only the one team. Um, Not a lot of leverage for Kyle Davidson in Chicago. He's going to have to take what he can get, and it's it's probably going to be a pretty underwhelming return for the Blackhawks, given the name value of a former MVP in Patrick. King. This guy's awesome. Sean McIndoe, Down Goes Brown over at The Athletic, also the podcast. And you got a book out, too. We'll talk about that in a second. Now, I got to um, I got to say this. Ken Holland makes $5 million a year as the GM of the Oilers. And since he took over, the Oilers incrementally have gotten better. But they have two of the top five players in the entire world. They're scoring more goals than anybody else. And the West is wide, wide open. He has to do something, doesn't he? I mean, you would think so, and uh, certainly a lot of Oilers fans think so. This is, look, I mean, Connor McDavid, he, he, we almost take him for granted now. Uh, he's he's just so far head and shoulders above all the other players in this league as far as what he can do. Uh, and, you know, we almost look at what he's doing this year, and you kind of shrug your shoulders and go, yeah, you know, he's on pace for 150 points. Sure, we haven't seen that in, uh, you know, 20, 25 years. Why not? Uh, but really, I mean, th- this is a remarkable season that he's having. And if the Edmonton Oilers can't do something big this season to support this guy, then uh, you kind of wonder when it'll ever happen. And, and it felt like the game they had on Saturday felt symbolic of that, right? I mean, they, they go out there against a really bad Blue Jackets team. They fall behind 4 to nothing. I mean, just a yeah. disaster of a game. And then it's almost as if Connor McDavid just single-handedly says, you know what, no, I'm not doing I don't care if it's me against the 20 guys on Columbus. I'm bringing this team back, and he does. All the way back, they tie the game at 4-4, and then they lose anyways in regulation. Just just a mess of a game, and you're sitting there going, man, there, there are some guys out there. And look, 
you know, you, you, to take the biggest name maybe who's still out there, Eric Carlson, this is a veteran guy. He's got a ton of years left on his contract, a ton of dollars. It would be really hard to make it work. It would be a really big risk to even try to make it work. And any other team, I'm going, you know what, I, I would stay away from that. Just, just, you know, don't take the risk. But if you're the Edmonton Oilers, man, doing nothing is the risk because you have got a door wide open and it's being held open by Connor McDavid and saying, let's walk through this and let's win a Stanley Cup. We can do it this year. Like you said, the West is not strong. There's a very clear path to, to, get, to, an Eastern, uh, to get to an Eastern team that's going to be beat up after yeah. that path through that conference. Yeah. So it's right there for the Oilers and for Ken Holland. Question is, can he figure out a way to make it work for so, those five million bucks? Two more quick questions for you, Sean. Very busy time for you, and I, I, I appreciate you taking time out of your schedule. So, uh, back to the East. Have the other teams done enough to beat Boston? Which Boston did something too with Washington. Like, have, have the Devils? Have the Leafs? Uh, you know, maybe the Rangers. Have they done enough? You know, I, I think they've certainly done as much as they can. The Devils, the Leafs, the Rangers. With the one exception being Carolina. That's the team we're kind of waiting on to see mm-hmm. as, as far as the elite contenders that they haven't made their move yet. Um, but everybody else, you know, look, I still think Boston's at the top of the list. Boston's move with Washington was a real nice move. Not as, as big and splashy as maybe some of the other ones, but one that made a lot of sense. Um, I like Boston an awful lot. I think they're going to be the favorites no matter what happens the rest of the way. But as we know, in the NHL, being the favorites is very, very different from being a sure thing. And, uh, the, yeah, the, there's going to be a strong possibility that, you know, the Bruins could have to go through a real good wild card team, Tampa or Toronto, and then probably Carolina, New York, New Jersey, somebody like that. It's a tough path for them. They're no sure thing. Uh, but they are in really good shape, and I don't think anyone's knocking them off the favorites list. Last one. I said on the weekend on Twitter, I think Connor McDavid for sure is the best offensive player we've ever seen in NHL history. I mean, hey, I'm a Gretzky guy. has got all the records, but it's a different time. And I and I uh, use that same uh, method of thinking when I uh, go to the Allmark goalie goal. Back in the day, it was a huge deal when a goalie scored a goal, but their talent level of goaltenders, including handling and shooting the puck, has advanced so much that, yeah, it's cool, but I don't know if it's as big a moment. Ah, man, I still love it. I, I Look, I'm old enough that I remember when Ron Hextel first <laughs> did it, and we just thought that was the coolest thing that we had ever seen, and, and we've seen a few other guys uh, do it. But it's still very rare, and hey, man, that, that was a nice snipe. It was. I mean, he got that puck down, and he got it up high and, and put it dead center. That was, a, that was a real nice one. You don't often see it in that situation. When a team's only one goal ahead, the, the kind of rule of thumb has been it's got to be two goals because in case mm-hmm. something goes really bad, you don't want to cost your team the game uh he just went for it with one goal he sniped it uh and it was a real goalie goal if people haven't seen it this wasn't one of these where he makes a save and the other team puts it in their own net or whatever those those are fake goalie goals we yeah. don't get we don't get too excited about those this was a real one still a very cool moment and uh what can you say about the bruins right i mean they're 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 winning so many games so easily i guess they're getting bored and now they're getting the <laughs> offensive contributions from the goaltenders the boston globetrotters hey sean thanks for your time by the way you got a book out tell us about it i believe it's uh the history History of the NHL? Yeah, the Down Goes Brown, History of the NHL. You can find it uh, in bookstores on uh, Amazon or wherever else you buy your books. And it's just, it's a, it's a fun and light look through the NHL's 
history and especially with a focus on the the weird and the the wild stuff a lot of stories in there that maybe you haven't heard or maybe you'd heard them at some point and you weren't even sure if they were true it's the uh, the world's most beautiful game as delivered to you by the world's dumbest league and uh it's uh, it, it, it's got a lot of fun stuff in there and an outstanding writer sean mcindoe uh, down goes brown thanks for your time man i appreciate it right on anytime Thanks to Sean for joining us in the Western Pizza Hotline. Get it hot, get it fast at Western Pizza. Our text line is powered by Capital Ford Lincoln at the corner of Rochdale and Pasqua. From Jacob at 936-6262. Do you think if the XFL and USFL fail again that they'll finally give this crap a break? Um, yeah, I don't know. Uh, like USFL is all in one area. Yeah, there's like Birmingham. four different three or four different hubs. Yeah. At least the XFL is trying to build up fan bases in other cities. I'll give them that. And there's a few things I've said already I like about it. Uh, now, I think the XFL... Like, Fox is behind the USFL, so they've thrown money, so it might last another year. The USF, or the XFL has worked out some sort of deal. Well, they've got ESPN and ABC, more so on ESPN, ESPN+. But they've got a little bit of a deal with the NFL, so that may... Work out for a bit, but let's be honest here. Rich people aren't rich because they like to lose money. It's not a long-term no, thing. No, no, it's not. And it, it definitely. And the narrative was the CFL would be in trouble. That was the narrative. There's no trouble. Okay, even if the XFL was decent, it, it's no trouble. You could send out pro football Hall of Famers out there. Did you see that stadium that Vegas was playing in, dude? Yeah. Man, what was that? Cashman Field in Vegas used to be the home of the AAA home of the Blue Jays, yeah. Las Vegas 51s. Yeah. yeah, what was that? It was bad then. Yeah, 6,000 people. And, oh, more people attended the opening game for the Las Vegas Posse in the mid-90s yeah. than they did for yeah. that When we game. had the Christmas National Anthem when uh, yes. when the Riders were there. <laughs> and uh, this from TC in Medicine Hat, a regular listener. I have to be honest in the fact that Trevor Harris gives me more confidence going into the upcoming season than Cody Fajardo ever has. Thank you from TC. Thanks, TC. Now, when, when we come back after 5 o'clock, we'll tell you that uh, Coach Craig Dickinson will join us for his regular hit. You can uh, text us anything. Questions for the coach. You can also uh, text us your thoughts on the show, some of our takes, good or bad. Hey, I've invited haters online and there have been a few of them I'm not going to give them free plugs but I have direct messaged them and said hey would you like to come on 936-6262 or if you're out of town 1-866-767-0620 toll free and we could talk CFL football and you could talk about how much you hate me and I'm the worst play-by-play guy in the world and it's terrible and you suck and I can't Air believe our grievances. Yeah, that's Air right. our grievances. I'm, Just I'm, like Festivus. I'm fine with that. You know where to find Ballsy and Zinger. 3 to 6 Monday to Friday. Why don't you give us a call? Got lots coming up on the show. Uh, keep it right here. The Sports Cage on this Monday brought to you by Andrew Sherrod Limited on the voice of Saskatchewan. 620 CKRM. 620 CKRM is proud to be the official radio partner of the Saskatchewan Rough Riders and your home for the hottest sports talk anywhere. This is the Sports Cage with your host, Michael Ball. Show is brought to you by Andrew Sherrod Limited, and we're joined by Ben Hebert, our buddy, uh, Regina Royalty, Curling Royalty. You're back in the Briar. What is this for you for Briars now? Did you lose count? <laughs> no. No, I think this is my uh, my 14th go-around at the Briar, actually. So you never never lose track of the Briar. It's a pretty special event, big event, and obviously big reward at the end of it. So, uh, no, I keep track still. I keep track. 
What's uh, it's in London, right? What's London like for you know that part of the neck of the woods for curling, in terms of a, uh, in terms of atmosphere? Well, only, yeah, I played a Continental Cup there a few years back. We played a Briar there in 2011. We lost the semi that year. I don't I don't really remember it. I think uh, I think it's a decent little curling town. You know, it's not uh, it's not as close to Toronto that you get lost in the you know the Leafs and the Raptors and that kind of shuffle there with the Jays. So uh, as far as I've heard. Uh, I heard ticket sales are really good. It's supposed to be a pretty jammed house, at least for both of the weekends. So yeah, looking forward to that. But uh, I mean, Ontario is Ontario. It's not the not the mecca of curling like Alberta and Saskatchewan, Manitoba. But uh, we're starting to trend into some decent crowds out there as well. And uh, you're uh, with a new team. You got the the wild card uh, labeled to you. And uh, who knows? You might be a wild card because you are a new team, right? Yeah, I mean, I don't think we're flying under the radar. We've had a pretty good season. I think we're the number one ranked team heading in. And, um, you know, we had a heck of a win there in January, winning mm-hmm. the Grand Slam against all the best teams in the world. That kind of spiked us into, uh, you know, we're not flying under the new team radar anymore. It just kind of took us a little bit to kind of get going and figure out our way. But, uh, you know, my young guys, you know, Brendan Botcher, Brett Gallant, have been a breath of fresh air to play with and, you know, teaching this old dog some new tricks. And, yeah, we've been working hard, putting some time in and, it's like anything else, man. I mean, we're going to go there, and if we play really, really good, we're going to have a chance, and we got to get some breaks. And it's like any other sport, a couple, couple balls that bounce your way and a couple bucks off the shin pads and in, and you <laughs> never know. We could see ourselves back in the Briar final chasing down another victory. What's uh, what's Botcher like to play with? What what makes him a great skip? No, he's just a beauty. He's just he's a great guy. You know, his, his work ethic and mind for the game is as good as anyone I've ever seen. And You know, coming from playing with Kevin Cooey and Kevin Martin, who were – you know, two Hall of Famers, you know, just to have that uh, comparison. Like, I compare him to his work ethic is just as good as Kevin Martin's, his talent's as good as Cooey's. Like, he's a special player, and, uh, I mean, he's really young, way, way, you know, wise beyond his years. He's only 30 years old, and he's got a long career ahead of him once I'm done, that's for sure. But uh, I'm hoping to ride his coattails for a few more years here anyways. But, uh, no, he's a stud. You know, he's he's passionate about curling, and uh, he's going to be around. He could be a force for a long time. Is there anything about him or his game that surprised you that you didn't know before? It's not like, listen, you guys all run in the same circles, but is there something about his game or his personality that you've kind of caught on to that you didn't know? You know, I think his personality more than anything. Uh, his game, I knew he was a great player and a, and a really good strategic skip. Had all the shots because he'd beat us lots. We'd beat him lots in a lot of battles. But uh, I didn't really know him, you know, super good off the ice and, you know, uh, you think you know somebody till you play with them, and then you kind of really get to know them. And, you know, Brendan, he's a little bit reserved, and, and he's a bit quiet, I think, to the general public and in the media, uh, how he comes across. <laughs> he's the exact opposite with us. Like, he's 10 out of 10, you know, have a pint and talk about sports and, you know, gambling on football and playing golf and talking about work. And, yeah, I just – I love him. He, he's uh, – He's a great guy. He's a big card player. He's a big card player. He's played a lot of cards on the road, and he's been a breath of fresh air and, you know, rejuvenated me a lot and, and really makes you work hard. And so he uh, he's exactly what you need as a leader in our sport to be a great skip. He's, he's got all the tools. What's it like uh, in a week like this when you guys aren't playing? Do you hang around quite a bit, the four of you, or, or how does that work? Well, yeah. I mean, we got a we got a suite. So we always get a suite at the Briar just to kind of, go in and you know uh what we watch a lot of the curling and scout some rocks and scout the teams and the ice and see if the ice is changing at all and you know play some cards in the team room and um you know get together and have a beer or have a bubbly whatever whatever you're into i guess but uh 
yeah, we, we, you know, we all have our own space too. If you need a breather or, you know, I think our wives are all coming. So, you know, have a night with the wives, have a dinner and, you know, it's a, it's a long week mentally. Um, but I think the, the perfect balance between, you know, curling and, and taking a, a, your mind off it for a little bit, cause it can, uh, it can rally you if it's all you think about is 24 seven, which is a lot of what we do. So, uh, no, it's good. We get together and shoot the breeze and we're all really good friends. We got a lot, of, a lot in common. That's kind of the one thing with us. We didn't really know what we were getting into off the ice and what everybody likes. And, you know, if we were going to be going our own ways after games, but man, the four of us have been really compatible with uh, a lot of things we have in common, what, like what we like to do off the ice. So it's been a great fit. So uh, Ben Heber joining us here, Regina Curling Royalty, Canadian Curling Royalty. Um, what's it like? Kind of, You said old dog. You're not that old, but what's it like being the veteran guy? Well, it's, it's got its pros and cons. You know, I like, uh, I like still being able to be, I, I just think at this, at this point in my career, you know, I'm 39 years old. You know, I, I don't anticipate a team of four 40 year olds going out there and, and dominating the 20 and 30 year olds. That's just not the way life works in, uh, in any sport. It's, it's not the way it works in curling either. So, you know, I think, uh, you know, pretty fortunate to get asked to play with Brandon and Brett, you know, they're right in the middle of their prime. I'm still playing really good. And obviously having Mark Kennedy being one of the best thirds in the world. So, you know, pretty fortunate to be able to, you know, hang in there with the boys, but, you know, I think I bring a lot of value and, um, you know, I got some great experience and some things I can teach the guys, but at the same time, I've learned a lot of stuff this year from them. I mean, we came from four different teams, so you're cranking out four different ideas on a whole bunch of stuff and we just kind of find what, what works best for us. So been learning, you know, the best thing about our team and so far what I've seen is all four guys are willing to learn and adapt and do new stuff. Nobody, uh, even myself, not too stubborn to uh to not try to pick up a new a new trick or anything mechanically or mentally you can work on so it's been really good to see that and yeah we've been developing pretty good and we're, we're turning into a pretty good team here ben in football because you played football too you know what you're like a 20 something year old linebacker and you might overrun a play but you're so fast and get back and make a tackle or you're a receiver you could blow by guys the older you get though you maybe have to refine the routes and and, and be a good route runner or a better route runner to give yourself some space you uh you're still a beast but you're a 39 year old beast you're not a 27 year old beast do you kind of oh, yeah. how, how does that mentality switch in terms of sweep mm-hmm. And, and and the mental side to know when to go hard, when not to, that type of thing. Yeah, I think uh, it's funny you say that. I mean, I, I there's no question I'm a better curler, you know, shot maker, rock placement guy than I ever than I've been. Like right now, I'm definitely in my prime shot making wise. That's why I see a lot of skips be great in their late 30s, early 40s, all the way up. You know, so shot making it's 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 irrelevant. I think I understand my delivery of the game, the mechanics of what I want to do, and how I want my rock on the ice. But certainly, the only thing. The tougher thing at 39 than 27 is the sweeping. You know, I play lead, and that's kind of my position to be a big, strong guy and have a lot of juice in the tank. So, you know, I think that uh, I'm able to recognize the shots that I need to go 120% and the shots that I can coast a little bit and, and store a little energy. And, and to be honest with you, it's the off-ice stuff. I mean, we used to go to the patch and, you know, crush beers <laughs> and, you know, pizza till midnight and, you know, do our thing on the road. And it's just like, you know, when you're in your 20s, it doesn't matter, right? But I'm almost 40, and... uh you're not going to catch me there this week. You know, I'll be drinking my bubbly and my water in the hotel room and, you know, eating healthy and feeling good. And I'll be in my leg sleeves and taking my ice baths and all that jazz. So, you know, doing that stuff certainly gives me the longevity to keep playing at a high level. But, uh, you know, you heard it here. I won't be, I won't be playing anymore if I can't play at a high level. I'm not, uh, I'm not hanging on for the scrap. So unless I could be one of the best out there, I won't be playing. But, uh, so far, no one's kicking the out. Let's just say that. That's right, and you're one of the best interviews, so you're always welcome here. Thanks for your time. We'll check in with you during the week in London, Ontario. Hey, Ballsy. Take care, man. 
Time now for the Cage Clutch Performer on 620 CKRM. Now it's Cousins. He feeds it ahead. Middle step. Back to Cousins. The workhorse from Whitehorse. On his horse to open the scoring. It's 1-0 Buffalo. Sabres with the gift will bring it in. Pass it across. Here's Cousins. Oh, that was magic. Dylan Cousins shoots and scores. Buffalo to a 6-2 lead. Watched by Gustafson in front. Cousins scores. Hat trick. Dylan Cousins. I like that one. The workhorse from Whitehorse was on his horse for goal number 21, 22, and 23 of the season. And Buffalo was looking pretty sharp in those Dominic Hasek-era black unis. Got to bring those out more often. Dylan Cousins with a hat trick last night. Sabres beat the Capitals 7-4. to Dylan Cousins, your sports cage clutch performer for Nick Service in Emerald Park. Your local Massey Ferguson challenger, Rogator, Gleaner, and Fent Dealer. Give them a call at 781-1077. Nobody covers your team like our team. This is the Sports Cage on the Mighty 620 CKRM. Welcome back to the show. It's brought to you by our friends at Andrew Sherrod Limited. Our techs are powered by Capital Ford Lincoln, 936-6262. Keep them coming. And uh, all our guests come to you via the Western Pizza Hotline. And uh, it is going to be time to head out in the Western Pizza Hotline. Once again, the Regina Pats just finished a back-to-back Set up with the Brandon Wheat Kings 4-3. Their goalie stolen the game in Brandon on Friday. On Saturday, they were down 3-1, but they rallied back for a 6-3 victory, their fourth straight victory on the season. They got a big weekend, 3-3 three and three nights, starting with the Winnipeg Ice on Friday and then the Red Deer Rebels a game on uh, Saturday. Those will be two big ones. And then I believe it's the Oil Kings, if I'm not mistaken. 3-3 three and three nights for your Regina Pats. With that in mind, let's head out in the Western Pizza Hotline and talk with the uh, head coach and GM of the Pats, John Paddock. John, just your thoughts on uh, the weekend that was. Well, I thought we rose to the occasion. Um, Drew Sim had to be our best player in Brandon, but uh, it was still a hard game. Got to give the opposition some credit. And I thought... uh, you know, we started really good against Brennan here, and then a uh, couple strange calls that cost us a goal and got us a penalty, And but we refocused and did a good job the last two periods. Yeah, I want to talk about those penalties in a second, but I do want to talk about Kelton Pine. I, I don't want to say he was shaky, but, you know, three goals, and then he makes an a great save that I said on the broadcast circle that one. It was at the end of the period, glove save yeah. on their guy, McQueen, and that really turned the game around. Yeah, I thought so, and, tur- and turned his game around. Like, I thought uh, there was too many loose pucks coming off him early in the game there. and uh, But he made that save on McQueen, and uh, clearly he didn't allow another goal, and he really settled down and settled the team down. John, uh, goalie interference. That one drives me nuts. Sometimes it is interference. You know, he had a couple of guys collide in front of your goalie. And I'm not saying it uh, this way because it went against the Pats in this case. But I, I saw that as goalie interference. The first goal, I, I didn't even know what the heck happened. First, I thought they were calling it on an offside. But no, that's not offside. Uh, th- this goalie interference, getting a bit carried away from my liking. I just want your thoughts. Yeah, well, certainly when it goes against you. But, you know... Their guy clearly pushed our guy in, and that's becomes a different story as far as goalie interference. Mm-hmm. It's part of it that we can't 
review. They, they can't, officials can't review because basically it's the facilities in our league don't right. allow such in-depth so in all buildings. So, yeah, it was, it was tough to take. And I'm more of the frame from mind that those kind of things or even kicking the puck, um, directing it, like we need, we need more offense all the time. So I would lean the other way on making those calls. Yeah, you know, I, I'm glad you brought that up because I brought it up with a former referee, Dave Jackson. I, I'm in favor of kicking the puck, like kicking it more. I, I think that's an art form. Yeah, we have, our rule is a little bit different than NHL. And if you remember in the Memorial Cup, it's, it's different with CHL rules. Our league allows a little more flexibility in that. Mm-hmm. We had a goal in one of the games in the World Cup by Emil Oxenson that he actually kicked the puck outside the crease, up, trying to kick it up to a stick, and it went in, but they disallowed it. Mm-hmm. In a regular season, that would have been allowed. Yeah, interesting. How do you feel about that? Because I asked you, your uh, colleague there, Ken Schneider, about this. When I watch football in October, you hit a, a guy below the knees, a quarterback. It's a penalty, and it's also a penalty, say, in July or February, whenever. In hockey, you cross-check a guy in October, it's cross-checking. You cross-check him in April, it's not cross-checking. How do you feel about that? Uh, that's hard to say, you know. Um, penalty should be called you know, whatever time of the year it is, but I'm also old enough and a traditionalist <laughs> enough that I think there's a little bit more let go in the spring. Mm-hmm. Hey, Suze the Lev had the hat trick. The one, it was the most anticlimactic hat, hat trick he could ever see because it went in, but nobody knew but him, it seemed. Just your thoughts on uh, on that kid and uh, and what he brings to the table. Well, multi-talented player can really shoot the puck. Uh, like, highly skilled, like it's... Uh, He's, he's, he's a big-time skill. He's got NHL skill uh, as he keeps learning the game and figuring it out in the smaller rink. Um, you know, he should be a good NHL or someday. You know, thank God. The, you know, you were the guy that said all along, listen, we're not trading the kid. The kid is staying here. We're talking about Bedard here, and, and, and he is here, and it's a rock star mentality. Wherever he goes, the rink is sold out. I wonder, John, if you uh, have had a chance in your role just to step back and appreciate that as a coach with you, Ken, Brad Haroff, that every rink you go into, even for a guy like you that's been around everywhere, to look around and see this happening. Yeah, it's pretty neat. Like, I'm not sure the word is appreciate, but um, we noticed it for sure since we came back from, or since Connor came back from the World Junior, that um, you know it's a special s- circumstance, and uh, we're all sort of reveling in this kind of moments, and um, you know that's never really happened before like this, and it will probably won't happen again. Yeah, no, it's a it's a special moment, no doubt about it. Lastly, John, I asked Ken this too the other day. I want to get your thoughts on this. So obviously, teams, um, if they had their cho- uh, choice, they'd probably rather be, you know, a Regina from a few years ago when you guys had a playoff spot nailed down, or now Seattle, or like a Winnipeg Ice, or a Bruins in the NHL. But is there any, or what's the value in scraping and clawing and being playoff mode right now at the end of the regular season? So basically, sold out buildings and uh, you know, fighting for your life is. Uh, is normal for you guys now yeah like i i think if you're running away with it you've you've put your good habits in place and sometimes you just turn it on and it's turned off sometimes Mm -hmm. 
so that's you'd like to be in that position and you're good enough to continue on in the playoffs no matter what but i do think how we're how we're having to play and dig in and simplify at times um it should be a good learning lesson this last month and a half for the playoffs john thanks for your time and continued success got a, a big week ahead we look forward to watching it thanks very much thanks man take care and we will be live from the concourse um, on Friday, Winnipeg Ice in town, Red Deer on Saturday. I'll call that game on Access Now Sports. Let's dust it off the old hockey vocal okay. cord zinger. I did the game on the weekend. A little bit rusty to start, but it's kind of like riding a bike. You never forget. You Although, did a game on the weekend? Yeah, I did the Pats uh, oh. uh, Week Kings game, 6-3 nice. victory. So uh, that's why I kind of even knew what was going on there. All right. wasn't even just reading the stats, making the questions up. Uh, a little bit of fire wagon hockey. A couple of uh, notes in the world of sports. Barry Trotz is going to be the new GM of the Nashville Predators, taking over from David Poyle. We're endeavoring to get Barry on the show, the former Regina Pat. Uh, Leafs made a trade today. Lafferty and McCabe coming to Toronto for picks. Be uh, Jake McCabe, not Brian McCabe, but Jake McCabe, and uh, I think it's Sam Lafferty, if I'm not mistaken. Teams loading up in the East. The Oilers have uh, yet to... Uh, pull the trigger on anything i got some uh, and that's what everybody's waiting for here see what edmonton does um or one of the teams i got this text from mark at 936-6262 zinger and ballsy earlier this year with bull levi mitchell in the mix you made a prediction for the riders record what's your prediction now that trevor harris is the quarterback from mark what do you got prediction at, read that again sorry the rider prediction yep now that trevor harris is the quarterback what's the record going to be oh uh, I think I think like a nice solid ten and eight. Yeah, no, I think same Eli, thing. Eli, same thing. Seven. Yeah, ten and eight. I, I they just got to stay healthy. That's going to be a key. Ten and eight. I don't mind that. Uh, ballsy. Does it bother you when people talk about you negatively? No. I mean, I. That's from uh, Betty. No. Hi, Betty. When you uh, when you throw stuff against the wall, and you say things that other people won't say, you got to expect some of it to come back to you. So no, that doesn't bother me as long as they listen. Like my broadcast professor said back in the day, David Gell was his name. He said, listen, as long as they spell your name right, good or bad. Brian Hall was like that. Brian Hall in Edmonton, very polarizing. Uh, and he always said that too. Whether Who cares as long as they're listening to you. Speaking of Brian Hall, we're going to hear from the legendary Edmonton Elks, well, no, he was the Eskimos broadcaster. Edmonton Eskimos broadcaster, longtime voice on Ched. He's gonna, he's still in broadcasting, seventy years in broadcasting, but he's taken a bit of a step back to um, to just uh, smell the roses, as it were. And then I got this one, Zinger. This is a good one. Let's hear this because I did get uh, people fired up over the weekend. So did you. Uh, this from Ryan Riffle, a listener. Uh, I kind of liken it, uh, liken you to the Don Cherry of the CFL unapologetically you and to me authenticity is few and far between if they don't like what you have to say they don't have to listen i couldn't have said it any better myself it's true i mean i would never compare myself to don cherry because i am nowhere in that stratosphere that part is not true no. well i'm not in that stratosphere i don't mind being compared to don cherry i'm not a don cherry hater okay mm -hmm. i'm not on that side but 
Uh, I'm not in the Don Cherry stratosphere, but I don't. Yeah, I'm just. This is who I am, man. Rough around the edges, always have been, always will be. Very passionate about uh, what I do. Very passionate about my so friends. So give us a like call and yeah. come off for a ride, yeah, baby. Call come us nine three six sixty two sixty two or text us at that number. We're gonna take a break. The great Brian Hall joins us next on the Sports Cage on six twenty CKRM. Sports ticker here, and we have been following this story since the beginning on Coast to Coast with Arash Madani for Smart Investing Solutions. The climax happened today. Canada Soccer President Nick Bontis has announced that he is resigning effective immediately. Could not take the heat in the kitchen, so he got out. He's sweltering hot. He's got B.O. He's got... The Washington Commanders have released quarterback Carson Wentz. He's gone, too. The release of Wentz saves the Commanders $26 million against their salary cap in 2023. The Sports Cage is your voice for football, not only in the province, but around Canada. This is the Sports Cage CFL Report, a look at what's happening in our three-down game. This Monday is the color commentator on the BC Lions radio network. And we talked to Julio about Sean Lemon. Yes, the Lemonator sets up his stand in BC for a third time. Yeah, you know, I, I, I won't lie. It was last, the last week, I think I've been, you know, a <laughs> little bit caught off guard by, you know, what the Lions have done. It kind of caught uh, I was a little surprised. One with Dane Evans. I'm sure we'll talk about that. But getting a guy like Sean Lemon and you know is is a perfect fit for this team you know what the what he's been able to do in Calgary the last couple of years he's just seems to be defying the odds the way he's able to still get after the quarterback real smart player um and you know I I got a chance this past year uh during Grey Cup um to talk to him a little bit and you know just a great great guy uh great teammate nobody has anything bad to say about him so um, I think he's going to fit in very nicely with, with the, the group that they have, and uh, I'm sure he's going to provide a lot of um, leadership, and um, hopefully he can continue the way he's doing uh, with the sacks. As a Canadian in the Canadian Football League, Julio Carabatta back in the day, how would you feel if, if an American uh, under the new CBA can replace you for 49% of the snaps? Like, I listen, I'm I'm uh, I'm all for Americans in the league. I just don't, I don't know, man. We're on a slippery slope there. Well... Yeah, I'm 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 torn a little bit, and I and the reason I'm torn a little bit is this: is that uh, you got to remember that some of these guys that have spent so much time here, that are committed to communities, committed to teams, mm-hmm. I think that there has to be a bit of a payoff for them, right? Like, um, you know, we're talking about guys that you know not only have played in the league, but I'm talking about also living in communities and and doing the community service in the off seasons and all those kinds of things, and so. I know that it's a slippery slope, but I, I do like the idea that, you know, they're rewarding some of these guys that have committed to this league um, for a long time. Where Saskatchewan sports fans come to talk. This is the Sports Cage on Sports Radio 620 CKRM. Well, I remember when I was first starting in this business. Brian Hall rolls into town, and I had to do a little uh, pregame interview with him, and uh, I asked him two questions. Uh, he went on this long, big uh, reply. I absolutely was mesmerized, and I thought, man, I want to be like that guy if I'm around long enough in media. I've got him on the show now, Brian Hall. How are you, my friend? Hey, I'm good, Michael. And uh, hello to everybody out there in the 
Wheat Province of Saskatchewan. Now, how's, how's the winter been, by the way? Actually, not too bad. I actually got back from the Bahamas a 10-day break, but uh, it's been actually pretty good. Not too bad. How about in Edmonton? Wonderful. It's been an absolutely great year. All our seasons have been marvelous, and we're about done, of course, because when you hit the month of March, you're in the springtime, and it's been uh, it's been very very good, very good. Where did your storytelling come from? Can you is that something you learn, or or, or where did it come from for you? Well, I guess I just talk a lot. You know what I mean. <laughs> uh, I, I, that's the best way to answer it. Uh, you, you pick up. Uh, information as you roll through life you put it in your head it's there at least it is in mine and when called upon whatever it is uh whatever button has to be pushed you haul out the information and away you go you know brian uh there's one thing about you that's always stuck out for me you always informed but you entertained too and when i took over this job with the riders and doing this talk show that's what i always said i want to inform and I want to entertain. You did that. Did you look up to anybody uh, to do that, or how did that come about? Because you, I, I remember listening to the games. You, you were good at calling the games, but you also in, in, injected some energy and personality. I think it's probably just a natural thing. It's uh, God-given, and uh, I, I never really thought about it, as you have explained it just a moment ago. Uh, and describe it that way, I, I, I you know, no, I, I just, as I said before, you know, you roll through life and you see things and you storm in your cranium and that's where it is and away you go. And if, if you're able to do that, I suppose it's, uh, well, I remember many years ago when I first uh, was getting involved in the business, I used to, they asked me if I would teach and I would teach young people about speaking and being able to talk without going um and on and, you know, that kind of thing. And I said, that's a, a matter of concentration. Uh, you don't know, know exactly what you're talking about. And if you don't, then shut up. <laughs> 70 years in the business. What's your favorite thing about this radio business, which is the original social media, by the way? It is the original social media, but for me, it's just a matter of, uh, I see, I, I, I live daily. I, I don't live in the past and I don't think about the future. God promises no tomorrow, as you know. Mm -hmm. So it's all about now. And that's, that's where I live. I I'm living this moment, you and I talking and whatever comes next comes next and you just carry on from there. So that's the way I feel about it anyway, Michael, and it's it's worked out okay for me. Oh, no kidding. But um, come on, man. You've had a great past in terms of all the sports teams and, and things you've been around. Do you, have any, do you have any couple memories being in the booth that come to mind for you? No, not really. I've been to 62 Grey Cups. I've been to, you know, World Series. That was 1963, the Yankees and the Dodgers. Um, I have uh, been to NFL games, of course, and Super Bowls, and I don't care to go to Super Bowl, not with media day, because there's too many people and you really can't do a job the way you would like to be able to do it. But uh, heavyweight championship fights, uh, and of course, the uh, Indianapolis 500, Daytona 500, if you want to talk about auto racing, I've pretty well uh, been to them all. And it is an experience, and it's uh, 
happening of a lifetime, and it's something that you remember forever, at least I do, had an opportunity, if you're talking about having any memories, uh, doing a 35-minute show during the time of the Vietnam War, and he was a conscientious objector, Muhammad Ali. It was great. He had his trainer, his famous trainer, Angelo Dundee, with him, and it was it was a marvelous 35-minute conversation. And also an opportunity I had one time, because I'm really not a sports guy, Michael. A lot of people think of me as a sports person. That's how I'm known. But I'm basically I'm a broadcaster, and it's a it's a wonderful business. You know, it's for me it's been a love affair, and I'm still involved in it, even though I'm moving away from daily dated. You know, I'm not going to be broadcasting each and every day, getting up at four in the morning, going to work and starting at uh, six o'clock and carrying on through the day with the things that come about and broadcasting. I'm not going to be doing that on a day to day basis, but I'm still going to be involved in the business, working with our sales department, doing other things. Uh, Also, I'll be, I suppose, maybe a goodwill ambassador, uh, attending many events on behalf of the Chorus Entertainment Group. But I recall one day getting a call from a friend of mine, and he said, hey, Halsey, you got to get down here. He was at the Western Hotel. And I said, hey, what's up? He said, I'm not going to tell you now. I'm just telling you, you better come down. I'm here with a couple of fellas. They're on their way north, and I know you'll want to talk to them. And it is not a media gathering, but I have the opportunity because of what I'm doing. I have to look after them, and I knew you want you want to talk to these two fellas so you better bring a, a camera with you as well so i go down to the hotel i go into the room they have a private cell on there and there's just a handful of people and i get to talk with first of all sir edmund hillary who was the first man to conquer mount everest and with him was the first man to step on the moon the astronaut neil armstrong and i had a couple of hours of sitting with them and talking with them and i just you know those are those are highlights those are moments wow. that come upon you in the, in the spur of a moment. You better be ready to go with it. But boy, was I glad I did. But I've had so many opportunities, you know, through all the years beginning in 1953 and rolling through the very different decades. It, it, it's been a wonderful world. You know, think about what happened in the 60s and then the 70s and the 80s. And you continue with all the stories that happened in the world, not not sports. But sports as well, of course, but also in just what goes on in daily living and how the world changes. I mean, look what's happened in just the past decade here with us yeah. and everything that's taken place and how the world has changed because of COVID and everything. It, it's Well, it's all about living. And I've you know, been blessed with good health and uh, a lot of good people that I've become friends with and known over the years. And it's just as I say, rolling day to day, and that's what it is, Michael. Well, you got to uh, always appreciate the athletes that came before today's generation, and I think in our industry too, we got to appreciate those that laid the foundation for what we're doing today. And Halsey's one of them, turning eighty-nine years young in August. We'll keep him on the phone line. He can wet his whistle and come back with some more great stories. This is the Sports Cage on six twenty CKRM. Now bringing you three hours of the hottest sports talk. This is the Sports Cage on 620 CKRM. 
Welcome back to the show. You can text us 936-6262. Weigh in on anything we're talking about today. Brought to you by Capital Ford Lincoln. Show is brought to you by Andrew Sherrod Limited. And all our guests come to you via the Western Pizza Hotline. He's been hanging on the line. We don't want to keep the legend waiting too much longer. Let's continue our conversation and head out with uh, Brian Hall on the Western Pizza Hotline. I looked up to you getting into this business. Who did you look up to? Uh, now, listen, my passion was sports. You said you're a broadcaster. Was there a broadcaster or a person in this business you looked up to or, or you know, were good friends with and kind of went back and forth with? No. No, not at all. Listen, wow. when I started, I told you it was 1953. Yes. Yeah. Uh, there, there was no television here in Edmonton until 1954. And uh, the radio, all I knew about radio was I, uh, I wasn't involved in a day-to-day happening with, with radio or anything other than when I, would, I was going to school and graduated in 1953. And a few months later was straight into broadcasting and went from there. I had no idea about broadcasting, knew nothing about radio, didn't care about radio. I, the only thing I knew about radio was I could rush home and I wanted to hear my favorite next installment of Superman or the Green Hornet or Boston Blackie. Wow. You know, those radio shows that were so famous. That's all I knew about Okay, radio. wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute, Halsey. So you didn't, like, how did you get into broadcasting if you didn't care about it or didn't know anything about it and then last this long? Well, I told you. For me, if I had, if, if, if on my tombstone I would inscribe as an epitaph i would say it just happened that's all it is for me <laughs> it just happened and uh, th- that was the same thing with broadcasting i had no thought at all about radio or broadcasting and a friend of mine who uh, wanted to get into broadcasting uh had come back from going down for an interview at a non-commercial station here in edmonton it was a ckua Mm-hmm. and uh, he had with him a list of things that uh, they had asked him to do. And I said, hey, what, what's that all about? And he said, well, they gave me a list of names to pronounce. They were all classical names, and it was a classical station as well as they did the Edmonton Flyers of the old Western Pro League. Right. And it was a, an all-around station owned and operated non-commercial by Alberta Government Telephones. And CKUA, there was CJCA, CFRN, the CBC, the French station, and that was it for radio stations because, as I said, there was no television until 1954. But I said, what, what else happened? And he said, they also gave me a newscast to read, and then they you know, let me listen to it and play it back. And I said, wow, that's really something. And I thought about, uh, gosh, I wonder what you sound like when you come out of the speaker. Well, I wonder what you sound like when you, you know, hear your voice from somewhere else. So I wasn't doing anything. I said, what's the guy's name? Gave me his name. I phoned him. He said, come on down. I went down. He gave me a list of names, classical names I knew very well because I came from a classical background. My mother was Royal Conservatory of Music. I knew all about uh, Tchaikovsky, Rachmaninoff, and all the others. And I knew it was Bizet, not Visit. And things of that nature, because as I say, I came from a classical background. That was a piece of cake. And I read voraciously as a youngster. And I was able to read actually a paragraph ahead. When I was reading, I read so much. 
and they gave me the newscast, newscast to read. And are you kidding? I did that in a breeze. And then when they sat down and played it back to me, I heard and I said, well, that's what I sound like. Oh, well, okay. And he turned to me and he said, how would you like a job? And I said, pardon me? He said, how would you like a job? And I said, what? Well, what was a Friday? I said, well, when would you like me to start? He said, how about Monday? I went in Monday, and I've been going since. That is outstanding. What a broadcasting legend. You're also an ambassador for the Edmonton Elks football team. Uh, you've been around a long time. How important of a role is that for you, Brian Hall? Well, no. I mean, it's uh, I sing the fight song into the third yes. quarter at Commonwealth Stadium, and I, uh, I co-host the suite with the president of the club, uh, you know, because he wants to move around during the course of a game, and I know most everybody in town, and so when they come into the suite when they're invited by the club, you know, I look after them, and we serve up food and some beverage and things of that nature, and they watch the game from the balcony and the president's suite, and yeah, I mean, it's whatever it is that has to be done, I do, and that's not only because of the football team, but, uh, you know, I was involved in the WHA, and uh, I mean, there, there are things that go on here and have gone on here that uh, have been very, very good. I don't think we're as good a sports town as we once were, but uh, that's only my personal opinion, of course. However, it's, uh, well, it's it's good. It's, it's day-to-day. It's a good time, and I thank God for it, giving me uh, the health that he has and the direction that he's led me in my life. Brian, uh, can we get back that uh, Edmonton Eskimos kind of feel with the Elks? Do you think we can get that energy back for CFL football in Edmonton? No, I don't. I don't at all. But uh, it's going to be different, but no. You'll never recapture that, ever, ever. I think they made a great mistake changing the name. They didn't have to change the name, but for whatever reason, Mm -hmm. the board of directors decided they should but they really didn't have to do that. That did more damage than anything else when they changed the name. Mm. And it's never been the same, and it will never, ever be the same. Uh, I want to ask you about the the state of the CFL. How do you feel about the uh, state of our three-down game? Well, pretty tough. I think it's very, very tough because uh, with everything that's happened, uh, the change in the technical world, what you can do now with the streaming that goes on, with the tablets you can use, with the access you can grab right away. You have to have uh, the local. That That's what's important. The, lo- the uh, local will carry it, but uh, it, it, it's not the same. There's so much now. You can punch in and get any game, any information you want anywhere in the world. You can get it immediately. Uh, the world of uh, sport, entertainment, advertising, the money now is so big that you can get it everywhere. And when you can do that, people become very, very selective. And people now, of course, the young people grow up with a very different world than what I came into and what I grew up with. It's become a very, very different world. And because of that, I think it's very, very difficult uh, for the Canadian Football League and for anything else. In Canada, we're all so deep into hockey and everything is about hockey, hockey, hockey. And people are, you know, just, well, they're brainwashed about it. And they just, you know, look at horse racing. Horse racing used to be huge here, but it is no longer, not just here, but everywhere in North America, in the world. 
It's not the same world. It's, it's not a bad world from the standpoint I say that, you know, you can't uh, have the Saskatchewan Rough Riders or the Edmonton Eskimos be what they've always been. It's not going to be that way because the world changes, your life changes, and you have to embrace and accept change if you're going to survive. You have to be able to live in the present, not the past, and certainly the future is unknown. So you've got to be able to live now with what the rules are, and I don't like particularly the way the world has gone, but that's the way I feel having come from you know, 70, 80, 90 years ago. Yeah. That's uh, very, very different. But about the league, no, it's not the same. We'll never be the same. And it's uh, very, very difficult to survive. Yeah. You can do it in places like, say, Saskatchewan. Think about what you have to offer to the people there. And then think about Toronto and the fact that they're really an American city. And they are. And they have, you know, everything in, you know, basketball, baseball, football, uh, is Canadian, but they're really attuned to the NFL because they're so Americanized. It's uh, a, a country where two-thirds of our population lives in two provinces, and uh, it's very different in Quebec and in Ontario than, than it is in Saskatchewan or here in Alberta. or Indeed, B.C. is very different, too. You're not going to survive. Okay, and lastly, Brian, Wayne Gretzky, greatest of them all, but Connor McDavid is really coming on here. Just your thoughts on that, on that young uh, phenom who really does have uh, that city hockey crazy. Well, Connor McDavid's nothing more than anybody else was. Connor McDavid's the present-day Wayne Gretzky, as Wayne Gretzky was the present-day, you know, Gordy Howe or yeah. the Bobby Holtz or whatever. He's, he's a good talent. What about what about your Regina Pat Connor Bedard? Yeah. I mean, how do you know he's not going to be better than the fellow you're talking about, Connor McDavid? You know, I, I don't get swept up by these people. I talk about teams. Yeah. When you're talking about team sports, I talk about teams. I'd ask you this question. So we have Connor McDavid. How good do you think? How good do you think Leon Dreisaitl is? He's a wonderful hockey player, and he's a, a different hockey player in several respects. But I can tell you this much. I would love to have a Leon Dreisaitl. If I can't have a Conor McDavid, I'm not necessarily maybe going to take a Conor McDavid when I have a Leon Dreisaitl there. If you ask me to pick between the two, and I think about how I want to put a team together, I may say I'm going to take Leon Dreisaitl, not Conor McDavid. Why do you suppose Conor McDavid is what he is? Sure, he does what he does, but it's because all the media people jump on him, play on him, take pictures of him forever, want to interview him. He's always out there talking, you know, because that's what people in the media do. They go to, oh, this is the big guy. This is the big story. Mm -hmm. Well, there's a lot more than Conor McDavid. I can tell you that much right now. And I also say this to you. So what? So what he does, what he does. What have we won here in Edmonton? Have we got a Stanley Cup? I don't think so. No. I think the last one we had was 1990. What do you think will happen with the Edmonton Oilers if they don't win and become a strong team and win a Stanley Cup? What do you think is going to happen when Connor McDavid or Leon Dreisaitl have an opportunity to move? You know what they're going to do? They're going to leave Edmonton. You know why? Because they want to win. Sure, they're a great individual uh, uh, player, 
but there's several great individual players. You think Nathan McKinnon isn't fast? So far, Connor McDavid, the Leon Dreisaitl's, have not been winners. Win the scoring championship and score pretty goals. So what? It's been a pleasure, Brian. Thanks for your time. We'll maybe see you around the stadium this summer. All right, Michael. Thank you anytime. I love that guy. 88 years young, still going strong, and he's opinionated. I love it. Uh, got this from Dan. Dan says, I'm a longtime Eskimos fan. I agree with Halsey that they should never have changed the name. That's what uh, Dan said. Well, it's changed. Do you agree with Halsey Ballsy that the league's in trouble? Um, well, I think this is a critical time for the league coming out of the pandemic. I think they need to do a better job of marketing. Like, they need to do a hard knocks type of thing. A couple of the individual teams like Ottawa and stuff have done that. I'm going to ask Coach that if he would be in favor of a hard knocks. We'll ask Coach Dickinson that. Uh, wouldn't that have been a treat to see him get followed around last year during that season? That would have been Imagine a... hard knocks during the Marino saga. Oh, no kidding. That would have been crazy. Duke Williams. No yeah. kidding. What would we call it? We couldn't call it hard knocks. We'd have to call it something else um and uh this one from brad ballsy you totally need to be syndicated because all of canada needs to hear your rant regarding that nova scotia coach who got let go for letting his making his team run lines because players were late well listen you can find that story anywhere brandon uh, mcmanus i think is the guy's uh name yeah the, he makes his team run lines because the, the kids were late for practice. Let's stop making our kids soft. Soft doesn't win. Boring doesn't win. Boring and soft don't win. Okay? It's a sports cage on 620 CKRM. Sports talk lives here. Welcome to another hour of the sports cage with your host, Michael Ball. This is the Craig Dickinson Show, our weekly chat with the writer's bench boss about the latest news from the locker room. It's the only place where Dickie takes questions from Rider Nation. All right, time now for the Craig Dickinson Show, brought to you by McDougal Auctioneers. Get fair market value for your assets with an online auction through McDougal Auctioneers. McDougal Auctions. Uh, Coach Dickinson, I've never asked you this before. I've asked you if you do any wild tricks on the snow slopes with snowboarding. But why did you lean towards more snowboarding than skiing, so to speak? Well, I'll tell you why, Michael. Um, I was in Calgary. I was working for the Stampeders. And Coach Huffnagel, he he wanted us there year-round. So I was there all through uh, January and February when it's cold and snowy and I thought to myself well if I'm going to live up here in the mountains all year I might as well take up some winter sports and I looked at the ski boots and I looked at the snowboard boots and I thought the snowboard boots look much more comfortable more my style that's honestly the real reason why I took up snowboarding is the boots looked a lot like those old moon boots we used to wear as kids (laughs) in the in the winter time and I'm like those look way more comfortable, easier to walk in. I think I'll I'll give that snowboarding a try. Are you still doing it much? Oh yeah, I still do. I mean, not as much as I used to, of course, but uh, I I try to get out. You know, I don't know, probably ten to fifteen times a year. Mm-hmm. Uh, this year, this year I haven't got out much at all, just because I was home. Uh, I was, I've only been home here for a couple of weeks. I've spent a lot of time in Regina this last off season, and 
doing free agency and with the Grey Cup and all that. So I'm still uh, I'm still going to get out a few times this year, Michael. But it, it's been a little slower this year, and that's okay because we're busy working and trying to put a good a good team on the field in in 2023. Yeah. So we were uh, having a a snack and a couple of drinks there uh, a few weeks back and we were just breaking bread and talking about things and you know I, I I remarked how you don't seem to ever get stressed and then you told me the story about how you almost died when you were going to babysit your brother's kids to, 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 no seriously though, tell me about that and that can change your perspective on things much like a Dan Clark yeah yeah I got in a car accident it, it would have been 2017 uh, I was going out to see my brother in Calgary. He was actually, they were playing in the playoffs. We, we had gotten beat, I think, uh, in the first round, or maybe we didn't even make it that far that year. And um, anyway, yeah, anyway, I got in a car accident. David lives out in the west side of, of Calgary, out, out in the country a little ways. And it was a serious accident. I ended up breaking my neck and, and uh, spending a week or so in the hospital. And then it was a long, you know, a long off season of, of, of basically just being in this brace from head to toe practically it seemed like it was it was head to waist mm-hmm. so yeah that and it, it yeah all these things that i like to do snowboarding skiing uh being active skating uh, all that working out just just being active was taken away from me for about five months and and it, it made a difference you know i, I ended up just it, it's easy it's uh it's easy to get perspective when you're laying on your back looking at the sky, you know, for, for a couple of weeks. And, and I think that helped me get perspective on things and realize that, we, you know, we're all, we're all here uh, for a limited time. And every, every moment we got is really a gift and it's, it's important to be grateful for it and, and to live your life with gratitude. So that, that experience, Michael helped me, helped me, um, uh, put things in perspective a little bit better. Well, let's paint a better picture, even coach. You're driving to your brother's. You can see his house, and you were you were you were in a rental car, I guess, right? And you're fiddling kind of with the radio. You're 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 you got. Hey, I've never had this kind of setup before. And <laughs> and boom, you got you got smoked. And I guess what you were going there to babysit the kids while he went to the Grey Cup. Yeah, I was actually the, the ironic thing was his wife was home. David was already in Toronto with the team. And I was going to spend a day, a day or two with them, and Tammy was going to go early. And yeah, that's how it happened. I just, I was on the road. I didn't know very well, and uh, it was dark. And I'll tell you what, it's, I, I don't drive at, at night as much anymore after that because it's just some th- things happen really fast, especially on those country highways where everybody's driving so darn fast. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, it was. Uh, and of course, it was the best best winter ever for snow that year. While I was sitting in my brace, <laughs> looking at the looking at the snow cam every every day, but I made it. You know, I made it through. Um, got a lot of good support from a lot of really important people, uh, and they know who they are. I've expressed it to them many times. They, a lot of people that uh, stepped up and helped me when I really needed it, and I'm grateful grateful for that, and and thankful to have those people in my life. Not on the team, coach. Not on the team and not your brother. Is there a guy in the league you talk to about things that you might consider a pretty good friend? I know you got NFL guys or U.S. college guys. Is there another guy in the league besides the, the, the coaches on your staff and your brother that you could talk to? Uh, there's a few guys that I talk to out there, but not honestly, not very many in our league. Um because it's it's such a, t- a tight mm-hmm. league with mm-hmm. only nine teams, that mm-hmm. I think most people keep things pretty tight to their vest. Um, I've I've talked with Brock Sunderland quite a bit, the old GM for 
Edmonton. He's an old friend of mine. Um, he's down in the States now and I'll, I'll, I'll bounce some things off him every once in a while. I also got mainly got really good friends that I coached in the NFL with Chris Morgan, who's in Chicago and mm-hmm. John Fossil. Those are the guys I talk to Michael, honestly, when it comes to football stuff, uh, Paul Hackett's another, Oh name. yeah. Um, that's the the father of Nathaniel Hackett, who was in Denver. So there's guys out there that I like to visit with and, you know, get their opinion on things. But a lot of a lot of what I get um, in terms of, of motivation or, or ideas is, is not necessarily from football coaches. It's more of from uh, business leaders and just people that I look up to. I, I read a lot of books and. Mm-hmm. I try to I try to do do my due diligence that way. Perception is everything and facts are negotiable. I've said that a few times. That was some great advice from my, my grandfather. So that'll tie into two things I want to talk about here before we go to the break. You mentioned Hackett. Nathaniel Hackett had a pretty good run as an assistant coach in Green Bay, goes to Denver, and then a lot of people say, oh, what a bozo, didn't even finish his first year, perceived to be not that good of a coach. What do you make of something like that when, when you know the kid, you know his dad, you know, perception? Perceptions, everything, facts are negotiable. Yeah, I. It just seemed like that from that first game on, things were things went bad for him. I remember that very first game where he uh, took a timeout, wasn't sure he was going to go for it, and then he put the field goal kicker out there to try a real long field goal, and and it was too, you know, or I think it was that way. But yeah, it was, that, it, that's how it was. Yeah. Like, yeah, it was. It was that very first game where he was kind of under the under the gun because he came in. New coach, new quarterback. You know, I think I do think the quarterback and the coach are tied at the hip. You saw it in in uh, Saskatchewan with Cody and I. I mean, when things are going good, um, I think the quarterback and the head coach are thought of highly. And when things aren't going good, those two uh, positions are, are thought of in in a negative light. So, yeah, he's he's a good football coach. And here here here's what I. I take from it. He got fired this year and he's got three more years of, of getting paid from Denver. And what did he do? He immediately went, took a job with the New York jets as an offensive coordinator because he loves football, but because he loves teaching and working with young men and, and, uh, and being on, on uh, football teams and, and doing good work. So I think that shows you a lot about his character. He could have sat back, got paid for two or three years and not done a thing. He chose to go, get a job with the New York Jets and, and get back in it right away. And he's a good football coach. He's just in a situation, I believe, where he uh, you know, went bad early and there's really no chance to recover. So I'm the voice of the team, as we both know, as many know, and um, I'm uh, I'm partial to the football team. It's part of my job, but I also try to uh, have some balance. But I don't like this perception that it's just a mess in Saskatchewan. What a mess over there. That's why some guys elected not to sign. Listen, and you can agree or disagree, two really good years with Craig Dickinson as a head coach, one year that was not so good where everything seemed to happen. How do you feel when you hear that narrative that it's such a mess there inside the building in Regina and they're, they're on their last contract, their last year, of their contract. How do you feel? Yeah, I just think that's baloney too, by the way. And, and I think it's usually from folks that either one uh, don't have a, a clue what's going on or two have, have an agenda. Uh, I think there is some people that, want to see you know teams fail and want to see organizations struggle because it gives them something to talk about but if you're in that building if you're close to close to us and see what's going on you can see what's going on and that's a lot of good positive energy a lot of good 
lot of good energy and a lot of good things happen in free agency. I think the coaching staff is as good as, as staff as I've been around. I mean, we'll have to see, you know, we get a chance to work together this year, but we got good people that care about football, that love the province of Saskatchewan and, and aren't afraid to roll up their sleeves and go to work. And I think, I think that that narrative is, is just is boring and it's old. And I think it's coming probably from the same 10 to 15 people every, every time. And I think the majority of folks in Saskatchewan are excited about our team. We'll be back with more of Coach Dickinson in a moment here on 620 CKRM. Our house is your house. Welcome inside the sports cage on Saskatchewan Sports Radio, 620 CKRM. Back with Coach Craig Dickinson from McDougal Auctioneers here on your Voice of Saskatchewan, 620 CKRM. Coach, you talked about the quarterback and the coach being tied at the hip more so than any other sport. We don't talk about the hockey coach and the goalie tied at the hip when we compare records or the manager and the pitcher in baseball. This is really a unique sport in that way. How do you feel about your hip mate, Trevor Harris, and what you could get going here? I'm excited to work with Trevor. I, I, I've I've liked him as a guy for a long time. I've been around the league for a long time. So is he. I just think he he's he gets it. You know, he comes to work. The thing I like about him, he seems very committed to being the best best player he can be. And he's outgoing. He wants to he wants to get his guys together and and talk with them and work with them. So I'm excited to work with Trevor. We all know quarterback is the most important position on the field, but we also know that. You got to have 11 good people around them and give them a chance to, you know, to give them a chance to succeed. So I'm excited to work with Trevor. We got, you know, we got a lot of work to do to improve. Um, But I think he's got the right attitude. He's got the right work ethic. Um, I think he's the right guy for the job. Coach, now you talk about the work to do and you talk about uh, new coaching staff do you have like a team building thing you're going to do with the coaching staff? Because I think it's important to get away from the building and get on the same page personality wise. Yeah, totally agree with you on that, Michael. We're, we're going to go to Texas. We got a little three day uh, clinic trip planned in March. We'll be in Texas uh, all staying together, sharing rooms, uh, having dinner, breaking bread, talking about the team, talking about, uh, how off-season free agency went, what our ideas are moving forward, and uh, and we'll start looking at the draft and uh, talking about needs and what have you at, at, with the CFL draft. So Jeremy is going to uh, be with us as well, and uh, it's it's going to be great. Three to four days in a little warmer climate with all of the coaches, everybody getting a chance to break bread and sit down and talk football for a couple of days. I'm really looking forward to it. Coach, when you made the moves on the offensive side with the coaching staff, you said they were all good coaches. You just wanted to get some uh, some fresh ideas in the room. Uh, and obviously you respect the guy as a former player and a coach and Jason Moss. Were you guys, were you guys, was it a case maybe where it just didn't line up between the two of you guys or between the, you know, just the, the way things uh, shook down? Because here's what fans say. Wow. I, I guess Cody and Jason did get along because they're reunited. It must have been Dickinson and Moss. I just, however you want to answer that, answer that. But I think it needs to be asked of you. Yeah, I, you know, personality-wise, there was never an issue with Coach Moss, and I, I have great respect for the guy. I enjoy being around him. Um, it was just strictly performance-based, and when 
when the one side of the ball struggles. And it's not saying we were perfect on defense or special teams either, but just felt like we needed a reboot on offense. And when you do that, the uh, the coordinator and, and usually an assistant or two ends up ends up being replaced. And that, that's all it was. I, I still uh, really respect and appreciate everything Coach Moss, Coach Soros, and, and Coach Moore brought to the table. They were good dudes and, uh, and worked hard. It was just we needed a reboot, and uh, when you do that, you need some new new voices and some new new ideas. Coach, I think this league needs to go to the next level marketing-wise. I have no problem with our game. I have no problem with our talent. I think when we're watching the XFL and the USFL fires up again, we're seeing it's not even close to the CFL, in my opinion. Yeah, there's some good players, but overall, not even close to the most storied professional football league in North America, that being the CFL. But I think we need to go to the next level marketing-wise. Would Craig Dickinson be okay with a camera following his team around all year in a hard knock situation because those are really interesting like I like the training camp ones but I really like when they follow the Arizona Cardinals and Indy Colts in season I thought that was a cool angle yeah I'd be okay with it especially if you know especially if there was some reassurances that you know that the uh the money that was generated whatever the benefits were of doing that that it would be shared with with all the teams in the league and that you'd actually get something out of it. Mm -hmm. The problem I have is sometimes you do all these things. And at the end of the day, there's no financial gain. There's, there's nothing that you're getting out of it other than just telling everybody what you do and how you operate. So I'd be totally fine with it, ballsy, but I would want, I would want some assurances that financially we're going to, we're going to benefit from that. And these coaches and, and people that work in Saskatchewan are going to get something out of it that helps our team, uh, succeed and and uh, and move forward. So count me in. I'm all in on that. But uh, there needs to be a payout at the end, a benefit for doing that because it is it is an inconvenience having cameras following you around all day, and it is a little bit of a distraction. <laughs> Last year would have been an interesting follow, wouldn't it have been? Yeah, they'd have had to. They'd have been. Uh, yeah. They would have, I don't think anybody would have wanted to follow us in that last oh, year. That, that would have been, been a tough, tough job. That would have been a soap opera. Hey, so uh, let us talk about uh, the XFL for a second. Now, the, the best thing about our game is you have to do something with the ball all the time in the kicking game, passing game, everything. Like it's, There's not a lot of dead action like you see in the NFL. The XFL has that kickoff rule. Do you, do you like that rule or do you like it just the way we have it in our league? Uh you know, I like it the way we have it in our league because you can you can uh, you can scheme it up a whole lot better. I that XFL where they're right close together and they leave on the catch, you can't really do any sort of deception blocks where you look a guy off and work to someone else. Now, I could work with it for sure. I mean, I, I think you still I like it better than the idea of eliminating the kickoff, like pretty much happens in the NFL. So I do like the idea of Let's make sure the guy back there can catch it and return it as opposed to kicking it through the end zone all the time. But I think it is it is tough, and it really just puts more of an emphasis on technique because it's one-on-one blocks. There's It's very difficult to do any sort of, of trap block or any sort of double team um, based on how they do that. So I don't like it as good as ours, but I'm, I'm a little bit old school, and I mm. understand the logic behind it they're trying to eliminate the high speed collision which that definitely does and lastly uh, coach how about the golden challenge you can challenge anything you, you got one challenge you can challenge anything during the game do you like that idea i do like it because as coach now i've been doing it for long enough i know what i can and can't challenge but the hard part is 
is knowing what you can challenge and win. And uh, when you put when you put the golden challenge out there, it's basically just you see a you see a call that you know is wrong and you challenge it. And you don't have to uh, ask your guy, can we challenge that, or is it, is it under three minutes? Do I have do I have the ability to challenge it now as opposed to it going to the command center? Mm-hmm. So I like that idea. I think you'd get the same thing, Michael. You just challenge the big things like possession and yeah. maybe pass interference. But uh, I do think I do like that idea. You get one challenge and use it however you want. Who's on your staff that helps you with that idea? Hey, what can I challenge? Should we challenge us? Who's the Who's the go to guy on your staff to help I you? I got out? a guy upstairs usually that helps me. Uh, Majiri was that guy for a couple of years. Mm-hmm. Now it's now it's uh, it's Coach Shives up there in in the box. I, I know what I can challenge now, but the, what they need to do is they need to look at it. And then when they look at it from uh, from the TV view, that's when I get some information because it's not a matter of if you're going to win it, you know, if you're right or not. It's a matter of is there visual evidence that you can see on TV that's mm-hmm. going to support your challenge. And that that's the hard part because you want to challenge it because you know it was – Maybe you, you feel like deep down you're correct in your assumption that it was or it wasn't a penalty, but you got to get the visual evidence to go with it. So, I actually. Ives and, and Marcus Klund yeah. will help me upstairs. Okay. I, I actually would like to see instant replay abolished. I'm not going to lie to you. Just let's, let's hey, just go all, let's go old school. When, when this first came on, you know, and Glenn Johnson was the head of officiating talking about how technology and the TV is going to change our game. I didn't like it either. Uh, but I do think we've gone too far down the road to go back and so i'd like to see i'd like to see it just limited to one or two challenges so it doesn't turn into a what you see in ncaa now where they stop at every every two or three minutes it seems like near the end and have to look at things Mm. again and again and again slows the game down coach thanks for this i appreciate it good talking with you michael good to have you back 533 with the sports ticker, and it's for Busy Bee Overhead. Busy Bee will repair or replace your residential or commercial garage door so you don't get stuck in or out. Catch the buzz. Busy Bee Doors. The garage door specialists. Five games in the NHL tonight. Detroit is in Ottawa. The Edmonton Oilers host the Juggernaut Bruins. Vancouver visits Dallas. Colorado home to Vegas. And Chicago visits the West Coast. In Anaheim, the Washington Commanders have released quarterback Carson Wentz. The release of Wentz saves the Commanders $26 million against their salary cap in 2023. Let's head ringside and check in with the oldest major junior hockey team in Canada. This is Pat Chats from your official voice of the Regina Pats, 620 CKRM. Pat Chats, a presentation of the Canadian Brew House. Check out everything on the CBH's new feature menu at CanadianBrewHouse.com. Well, the Pats swept the home and home from the Brandon Wheat Kings on the weekend, winning 4-3 there Friday and Saturday at the Brant Centre, 6-3, scoring five straight goals to put the game away. Alexander Suzdalev, the Washington Capitals draft pick, had the hot stick for the Pats. He scored three goals and added one helper. How much fun are you having right now? How much fun is this group having the way you guys have been playing over the last week or so? Yeah, for sure. We've been playing uh, pretty good last week. And uh, when you play good, you uh, for sure uh, feel good. And I think the team is uh, 
feeling pretty good and uh, we're just pumped to get the next game and uh, next three and three. Alex, obviously it's pretty easy to score three goals when you're playing with incredibly smart players like Braxton Whitehead and now Sam Maremba who's turned it on and obviously Stanislas Fozel with a great pass that he made to you uh, early in the hockey game. Uh, I wanted to ask you about how how much that was a big difference for you tonight and how it made your life a lot easier to put those three goals in the back of the net because you don't do it without Svozel and Braxton Whitehead tonight, right? Oh yeah, for sure. I couldn't have done that <laughs> without them for sure. I didn't... It'll make it uh, very easy for me. I just uh, be in the spot and they uh, see that pass and I try to, yeah, just close my eyes and shoot and hope it goes in. <laughs> well, obviously, uh, you know when the puck goes in because you knew when that puck went in to make it 5-3 at that point. Uh, did you did you know that it hit the back bar and went out? What were you thinking as they had to think about it for a bit and then they said, yeah, it's a goal? Yeah, I think uh, it made, made a different sound and it kind of went in uh, kind of weirdly, so uh, I thought that went in for sure and... Uh, a couple of teammates were uh, cheering, so uh, yeah, I was thinking about it a little bit, yeah. We're talking sports on your way home. This is the Sports Cage on Sports Radio 620 CKRM. All right, here we go, and this should be fun. Luke Molitor in studio here. He couldn't join us uh, last week because of his work commitments, but he's here now. He uses sports to de-stress, but see, so... At the, I had the whole 10 days off. I came in here, and last Friday I had said, I wondered aloud. My sources told me the Rough Riders had offered Bailey 160, Rashid Bailey, the receiver from Winnipeg, to come over here. Okay? I wouldn't have offered okay, that. Okay, but anyway, I heard he went back to Winnipeg for under 100,000, anywhere between 90 and 100. Let's say 95, just for mm-hmm. you know the sake of numbers. So he turned down, if I'm my sources are to be Believed and they've never steered me wrong. Yeah, the only one that did was actually Bo Levi Mitchell, who told me <laughs> what he was going to do and then didn't do it. So anyway, um, uh, so you're going to tell me that, that a guy is going to go back and leave sixty five thousand dollars on the table in hard money to go to Winnipeg? Now here's what I got. Was for, really like playing with Nick Dempsey. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah here's what I got for a narrative. Here's what I got for a narrative. This is what I got. I got. Well, there's playoff bonuses. And you're right. They're consistently in the playoffs. But as we found out last year, Luke, playoffs are not guaranteed. If that's how your agent or you were negotiating, that is very poor negotiating. And here's here's what I was saying. And this just isn't a Winnipeg thing. But how can they pay their quarterback that much and retain every other free agent they wanted except for Couture, who went to BC because he's from there, and they replaced Ellingson with a more expensive guy in Kenny Lawler? Like, you, come on. Give me a break. Are, are we? Am I the only logical one in the CFL? Got to be some great accounting over there, man. I'm telling you. Yeah, that's what I'm you saying. Know, hey, listen. The CFL's got to get creative if they want. I mean, we've got the salary cap rules, obviously. You've got the coach's cap. Uh, I'm not against I, I, it. I would, I would listen. If a guy normally, the the different the, the the differentials are like, you know, ten to twenty maybe between mm-hmm. offers, right? But going to a team leaving sixty on the table, whoa! Well, like, and here's you a, must really like Mike O'Shea. Like, and here's must, and, and the like, gold right, eyes. Like, yeah, like, <laughs> Polo you, Park Mall. Yeah, 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 you must, you must love Polo Park Mall. Like the champs there must be the greatest champs in North and America. Hey, let's not kid ourselves. I'm not, a, I'm not Joey's. In, in 2013, I like the restaurant, but it's not worth passing. In 20, grand up in for. 2013, in 2013, when the Riders were here, they signed everybody under the sun. Okay, they did what they had to do to win a championship. I'm not. 
not against it. All I'm trying to say is don't give me this narrative that everybody wants to stay for Mike O'Shea and it's a great culture. It is not the NFL. This is the CFL. Cash flow low. You take it when you can get it. Yeah. Well, unless, and, and, but what if he's like got a job lined up? Well, that, maybe. You know what I mean? Still, 60 is a 60 I'm just block. trying to say it's, I'm not. I'm not leaving 60 on the table. Yeah, don't paint me this narrative. I might, that leave, yeah. I might leave 10 to 12 yeah. on the table based on you know stuff I can do on the offseason, things like that. But anyway, somebody CFL News from the Twitter, they tweeted out that on Friday, and Bomber fans went off. In fact, one lady's calling the league on me for calling Winnipeg cheaters. Are you serious? <laughs> I'm serious. That's what they're, that's what they're doing. They're, they're, like, I, come on, man. Wow. Yeah, come on, man. <laughs> Called the lead. Like, what would that sound like? I don't know. I hope Hello, they pa- Randy. <laughs> I hope they pat her on the head, give her a lollipop, send her home. Thanks. Here you go. <laughs> well, at least someone's keeping the CFL in, in the forefront. Well, that's what I'm right? saying. The league mm-hmm. office isn't talking about. I am. I'm talking. I told them if you don't like what we say, if you don't like what we say here on the sports cage, go listen to your daily CFL talk show in Winnipeg. Well, oh, they don't have one. <laughs> well, that's what the. I guess. I guess that would be the uh, the other thing, right? Is like. Well, you you do have the option. Mm-hmm. Now, I know this might sound crazy, guys. Mm-hmm. You do have the option of not tuning in. Yeah. And we could also have our... Right. We could also... But if you're going to tune in, too bad. Yeah. And, and also, the league could uh, release salaries, which of they all, don't yeah. do. Of all the crazy things, though, like, man, like, shock jocks like Howard Stern, like, there are some crazy podcasts, right? Joe yeah. Rogan's like, man, but... <laughs> If you say something about this, yeah. mainly the Winnipeg Blue Bombers right now. That's the other thing I can't stand about Winnipeg. Look, I get it. They're, 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 they're uber successful at yes, the moment. for right? the last they've three years. It, yeah, you know, and they've apparently they've got guys yeah. leaving 60 grand yeah, on the yeah, table yeah. to go play yeah. in Winterpeg. <laughs> but I'm getting sick of the entitlement. Well, and the other thing I'm, is... I'm getting sick of the this entitlement. This is what I hear, too, and I agree. I want to piggyback this, because Saskatchewan is such a mess over there. D- wait a minute, wait a minute. Let me just pause this for a second. It wasn't that long ago they were going to punt Mike O'Shea. Oh, yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? Well, and that's and that's why I give credit to guys like Walters, mm-hmm. and especially, especially Wade Miller. Yeah. Like, when you tell me, when you guys talk about Winnipeg's success, I automatically breeze over Mike O'Shea. I go straight to, man, Walters has done a fantastic job getting talent in there. Mm-hmm. Again, he's got guys dropping 60. Mm-hmm. He's leaving. Mm-hmm. That's GM of the year right there. But... Wade Miller, like literally the patience he had to exhibit. I don't know whether it was crazy patience, but it was patience nonetheless. Like they waited it out for Michael Shea, and now it's, but that's, and that's what's crazy about it, right? Will but, Kyle Walters be out of a job? Here, no, but here, here, no, no, in Winnipeg, because hear me out, hear me out. Because in Calgary, John Huffnagel's gone upstairs, and Dave Dickinson's the coach and GM, but you know John Huffnagel's still doing a lot of the GM work. They're just shuffling the salary because of the Caps thing. Mm-hmm. We've seen your buddy Chris Jones do it. There's other guy, other guy, Mike O'Shea, or uh, pardon me, uh, Orlando Steinauer. I could see a thing where Mike O'Shea does all of that. Uh, they've already got a president. Is Kyle yeah. Walters out because he doesn't have a contract? That's a real head scratcher to me. Well, I would say that out of the nine teams in the Canadian Football League, if the Winnipeg Blue Bombers were stupid enough to to let Kyle Walters walk out of that office, the GM that assembled the roster from mm-hmm. that, granted, he'd probably they probably did it as a trifecta or yeah, maybe yeah, him yeah. and Wade, but to to architect. To set up the metropolis, to put Rome together, right, and then say, "Ah, oh, no, we don't need you." Probably seven of the nine teams 
knock on Kyle Walters' doors the minute he steps foot outside of IG Field. Yep, I agree. I agree. Right? Yeah. Like, okay, here's the other immediately. one. Here's the other one. Immediately. Here's the other one that set people off. You know me. I'm a supporter of Canadian talent. I've been on the Nathan Rourke train forever, even before he came. I told, I said, you watch this kid, and then you were like, wow, look at this kid. Not that you didn't know, but you're like, holy cow balls, you're right, I've been paying attention. So on... On Friday, I had said, I fully expect Nathan Rourke to get screwed by the NFL. They Mm. signed C.J. Beathard Mm. to a $4.5 million base salary, two years, incentive Mm. laden to $7 million. He's the backup quarterback Mm. in Jacksonville, okay? Uh, Read an SI article about uh, the Jags and their preview. Not one mention of Nathan Rourke. I, I... Hey, I love the kid. I want him to succeed. I think he's going to get screwed. I say by September, he's back in the CFL. Well, here's the problem, is that when you say screwed, you speak to it from understanding the NFL point of view. And when other people hear screwed that may not understand what the NFL is actually about, they automatically see like, oh, they're just, you know, he's saying the Canadian's going to get the short end of the stick. Mm. Well, the reason, but what really is happening there, it's business. Yeah. Right. And a big money plays. Mm -hmm. Right. So he went to a team and that's the thing, right? The Jacksonville Jaguars, when they signed Nathan Rourke, right? In their room, they said, oh, man, we just got a guy that is going to compete for the backup role here Mm -hmm. to Trevor. And by the way, guys, he's already got pro experience. It's not NFL experience, but he's got pro experience. And by the way, he did pretty good. And we've seen plenty of Canadian CFL players come down here and play well. So we should be excited. And all the Jacksonville said, yeah, yeah, absolutely. And then they saw Bethard and they said, Okay, guys, this makes us better hmm. because Bethard's got the goods. Bethard, right? So if they've got you, got to understand it's it's supply. There's always there's a limit, endless amount. Uh, there's an endless supply of quarterbacks of football talent in in North America, and it's going to keep. And just because one team signs a guy, and we have to remember too, you know, when uh, I, I saw this when Rourke got signed, it was like, oh man, he got big money. No, he didn't. No. He got big money. The Canadian. Canadians. He got big money in CFL sense. He got big money in in professional Canadian. He got nothing compared to what big money is in the NFL. Mm. And we have to remember that. We have to remember the context in which he was signed under in Jacksonville. He he. It doesn't matter. People are like, oh man, he got money up front. He he literally got the pocket change. That's what he got from Shad Khan's. Yeah, um, that's what he got. His, his penny, his Stacey Adams loafer. Yeah, literally took out the change there that he wasn't going to give the Uber driver and gave it to Nathan Rourke. We have to understand the context and the billion dollar business that the NFL is, and then we actually understand. Okay, actually, you know what? Rourke's just got the same talent and chance as everybody else got that's not a number one guy. Mm. Yeah. That's Luke Molitor. We'll be back with more with the writer, color commentator, and former football player in a moment here on the Sports Cage on 620 CKRM. This Day in Sports History brought to you by Capital Ford Lincoln on the corner of Rochdale and Pasqua. February 27, 2007, Mark Messier's number 11 jersey is retired by the Edmonton Oilers. In 12 years wearing the Oilers jersey, Messier tallied 1,034 points, and after a stint in Vancouver and a Stanley Cup win with the Rangers, Messier would finish his career with 1,887 points. The Kings of Saskatchewan Sports Talk. This is the Sports Cage on 620 CKRM. 
show is brought to you by Andrew Sherrod Limited. Going into the uh, home stretch of the show, ballsy with my great sidekick, Sean Kleisinger, and my sidekick during the Rough Rider season, Luke Mulliner. Got this text at 936-6262, our text line powered by Capital Ford Lincoln. Dead for, uh, uh, Dale from Red Deer said, hey, just wondering what you guys think of our punting. I think Vedvik was really struggling when he needed hang time or the bomb, and he failed. Not particularly good in cold weather. I'd like to see them bring a, a couple of challengers in for the punting job. I know that's not high on the radar, but it's an interesting point because it is a third of the game for sure. Yeah, you need to win the field position, right? And mm-hmm. there were times where Vedvik... Um, would would boom it, but if there was a knock on Vedvik, you wouldn't get the location out of him, mm-hmm. right? Like when we understood that, hey, right now the best situation that they could give um, the Saskatchewan Rough Riders defense would be if Vedvik put this in between like the fifteen or mm-hmm. the or the end zone. Mm-hmm. We were never confident that Vedvik would do that. Yeah. Right? Because that's just not him. So I think that I think that I, I am a firm believer of bringing competition in on all angles, all fronts. Yeah. Right? Especially for the Canadians. Yeah, right? absolutely. Especially for the Canadians. But but when it comes to Vedvik, yeah, you have to. Like, man, that's a critical especially nowadays. Mm-hmm. Right? Especially nowadays when what got what what we got Winnipeg back into the Great Cup? Well. It was a kick return. Kick, kick return. It was game. a kick return. Yep. Right? Yep. Like that is and you don't, and, and it's one of those deals where it doesn't bite you until it bites you. And when it bites you, it cripples you. Yeah, it cripples right? you. So, you, yeah, I, I would absolutely bring in competition for the So, point. we're a long way from training camp. We're through free agency. So, let's go, through some, let's go through some of the positions here, and you tell me if we've gotten better or worse. Right. Okay. Quarterback, better? Better. Yeah, I think better, too. Absolutely. I think better, too. Just, you know what? He hasn't even given that many interviews. Okay? He hasn't even given, but just take what he said. Here and granted, he might have said that in other locations, yeah. but at least he said, "Take what he said and then compare it to what was being said from a different quarterback." And look at the look at the change in direction of focus. Yep, hundred percent, hundred percent. And I like I like. The hey, f- man, I can't wait till we we get started. We can't blah 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 blah. Oh yeah, you know I'm having a great off season. I'm go- like man, yeah. it's I already. It's become more about the team. Yeah. I think the uh, the running back room is a wash. We lost Tuck, which is tough. He was a good serviceable player, but we, we have Bruno LaBelle still. We've got Albert Awachi. I think we're still okay. And if our backs stay healthy, we've got a good one-two punch. Well, Albert Awachi is awesome, but yep. you got to remember that you just saw a guy. You, the, Kelly Jeffrey, the offensive coordinator, has just spent the entire last year saying, man, if I had this guy, here's what I would do. And yep. I do think LaBelle came in and, and, and got, when he got a chance to contribute, yep. you and I thought he was Yep. A solid blocker. Yep. He's a big dude too. Maybe they incorporate some more and he passing can catch game. Too. With, he yeah, can exactly. Catch too. Maybe yeah. they incorporate a little bit more of the passing game there, yep. right? But it's entirely on Kelly Jeffrey. I don't think. I think that room. You're right. I don't think they they got better, but they definitely didn't drop off. I don't think they missed James Tuck as much as they might have missed him had Jason Moss been back in the room. Good point. Uh, offensive line better. I think so. Blake's a nice signing. I love Philip Blake. Yeah, Philip Blake, Blake is one of my favorite players in this league. Should have never yeah. left the first yeah, yeah, place. And yeah. I, I, don't, I barely know the guy. I'll say hi to him, but yeah. like, like literally, I, I think, I think the world of Philip Blake. And again, I know everybody's like, oh, he can play all five. All five. No, 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 no. Philip Blake needs to be a guard when he's here. Yeah. Okay. And I really like the Godber. Um, you like that so one? I, I really do. I mm. think, I think it's a step in the right direction. Um, emotionally. Hmm. You 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 understand what it it means for a guy like Dan Clark, 
But th- this business has never really waited on anybody anyways. Right? But I will say this. Stan Clark isn't officially done. He can be an ambassador with the team, and he could be ready to go if they have injuries. He's there. He could go sign with another team if he gets he could, right. You he know what could, I mean? But if he doesn't, I don't think he wants to go anywhere. So if he's here and he's waiting in the wings, he's a good insurance policy. That's all I'm saying. And, yeah, he, and, well, he, can, and he can play if he has to, right? Man. Jeff Ronick in 2007 <laughs> walked into our room carrying a duffel bag. <laughs> Literally, when the season was ended up getting a great cup out of it, right? Yeah, like, dude, awesome. like guys make a difference when they get there. You yeah, know what I mean? For sure. Okay, receivers, what do you think? No Duke, no Duke, got, no Shaq. I think we got better mm-hmm. because it feels like we got lighter in the budget. Does uh, Breskison affect Picton's future? I I don't know. I mean, Breskison. I'm, Canadian, good, good yeah, Canadian whole, receiver. Yeah, well, has he played over five games in the last two years? No, that's true. Right? Like, well, I'm a Picton I, fan. You're a Picton fan. I'm I, just speaking I, out loud here. I think that Breskison is a guy that comes in there, gives them depth. I would be surprised if he got the nod over Picton. Again, I, I really like Picton's mm-hmm. game. I think he's a pro, pro's pro. Um, and he's more durable. I mean, you saw it on the yeah. plane, right? Yeah. Like, man, he would come in yeah. limping, hobbling. Sitting right behind right? us. Yeah. 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 Laying on the chair Dying, behind us. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Passing out. Yeah. But, like, yeah. man, he'd be out. He'd be out. Yeah. So, I think that, I mean, Breskison is, is from what he's shown in the past, especially in a, in a red and black uniform, he was awesome. But, I mean, mm-hmm. you have to be... You have to be realistic. Availability, right? I don't think I would. I would. I don't think I've seen him in over five games in the last two years. Bain Junior's a nice pickup, good for the kick return game Future. too. See a guy, guy like that, right? Like hmm. th- makes you not miss a guy like Kyran Moore as much. Yeah, right. I think that Bain's got a really bright future in this league, and you just got to figure out how to use a guy like and that. And then Keen, like Keen Schaefer Baker's a nice add back. KSB man, you know, is Get he back? The, yeah, he's back. Get him the ball. That's fantastic. Get him the ball. Right, get get this kid the ball. Right, don't, and 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 consistent, and don't set him up for failure. Like the most predictable thing in the entire 2022 <laughs> season, and me and you, we would be, oh, here it comes. Yeah. was when KSB went in the backfield. Yeah, because he was coming out with the football as a running back. Yeah, or he was in the flat. He's not Debo Samuel. Most, it was the most predictable thing. Yeah. of all the things the Riders did. Mm-hmm. No, I right? agree. Other than loose, and, I, and I'm and I'm and I'm and I'm intrigued with Lenius getting back to the weight he was a couple of years ago. Well, you know, Lenius, and by the way, Lenius is doing some fantastic things in the community awesome. right now, like, and he's he's fully yeah, in. Yeah, he's yeah, fully yeah. In. he is he is he is really adding value to the community, yeah. and and it's really good to see. Um, you're right, though. I think that Lenius is on the cusp now, but it's not a good cusp. It's like. Dude, you can either skyrocket mm-hmm. or, you know, you could go the other way. And so I would think you that say this, it's down I, or up? Would it say it's down or up? This, well, or you wash. don't have McKinnis to, to compete with. No. You, you're a different skill set than Picton is. Mm-hmm. So really it's just you you and KSB. And and I think that the I think that you have to find a way to get the potential that everybody knows is there. Yeah. For for Lenius, because yeah. that's what you say right now with Braden Lenius. The potential is unbelievable. It's it's bigger than the Hill Towers. It's taller than the Hill Towers. All when you come in on Friday, I'm having in on Friday. By the right, way, we'll cool. do the defense. But I want to get a quick comment on what's happening with the BC Lions. Lemonator gets signed there his third stint, and Dane Evans goes there. Uh, is that a commentary? More commentary on BC not really knowing if Vernon Adams is the guy. Well, I, I would be surprised if Dane Evans wasn't the starter by by halfway through the year. 
if 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 all things stay the same and they don't mm-hmm. get Nathan Roark back, I would I would say that Dane Evans is is going to be the starter mm-hmm. there eventually. Yeah. Um, and again, it's not a bad thing, right? But Vernon Adams right now, like you know those guys that you you just say, hey, it is what it is with him. Yeah. Like you you know what you're going to get with VA, okay? And and I think that the luster of the athletic running quarterback on VA has has worn yeah. off a little bit, right? Like you can't be that guy. Like yeah. Cam Newton couldn't even be that guy for all that, right? Yeah. And and he was nowhere near Cam Newton. Yeah. But the skill set that he was known for it's 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 not it's not a weapon right or not a threat the way it was in earlier on mm, no. so i think the dane evans will be the quarterback there. are you surprised the lemonator is in bc like oh, that, that dude, Cal- no, no. the calgary let him go oh i just i'm not surprised at all man that guy's gonna play till he's like 45 like man i don't know yeah, but he had a he's great now. year why wouldn't calgary retain him that's my only thing it is too much it wasn't worth it with what they had on the roster i don't know man i, I listen KG was a different story. Like KG went around because he was, I, I don't, I don't know why, I don't know why. It, and this is real. Like I'm being mm-hmm. honest. I don't know why Sean Lemon doesn't catch on because the productivity that he that he uh, in the sack mm-hmm. category, right, would would probably like you'd probably want to keep that around. And no teams haven't really been in a rush to do that with him, right? Yeah, it's a good point. Right? They've given up. Like man, like th- that's the best thing about Lemon. Right, like you say, whatever you want about it. You can say you attack him personally, blah blah blah. But at the end of the day, right, when Lemon's sixty-five, Lemon's going to be in the stat sheet, and they're going to look and be like, "Geez, this guy was a beast." Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Because numbers don't lie, and he's always done numbers. And he's here tomorrow. The lemonade stand. The lemonade is stopping by the sports cage. Thanks for coming by, buddy. All right, man. Yeah, good to see, see you guys. See him on Friday. Thanks to Sean Kleisinger for helping out. We'll be back with more of the show tomorrow here on the Sports Cage on six twenty CKRM. Today's sports page has come to a close. Miss a segment? Download or stream the podcast now at sportscage.ca. Get your sports straight from the source. 620 CKRM.